0: Right here on Monday night,
1: you want a war? You're gonna get one. You fans can
0: stick it,
1: brother. Brett screwed Brett. This is bullshit! And I also appreciate the fact that, hell, you can kiss my ass.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 82nd Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke, alongside G. John Chase. Hey. Old Man Jones. Yo. And Kieran O'Rourke. Hey, yo. And we are back this week for the latest instalment of the Monday Night War Timeline Series. Uh, we are, of course, going to be covering May and June of 1998 uh, on this week's episode, talking about all the roars, all the nitros, and, as always, we have notes from the Wrestling Observer newsletters of the time, a lot of backstage gossip and all that stuff, a lot of uh, interesting factoids to get to throughout the course of this show. Uh, if you haven't heard any of our previous timeline shows, of course, you can go back to squaredcirclegazette.com, where we archive every show and catch up. So no woman up in the ballpen, we're going to go straight to it with two notes uh, that kind of stem from things that happened at the end of the last episode of the timeline that we did. Everything is an impasse with the Ric Flair situation at the moment, says Dave Meltzer. It's basically a situation where both sides feel very strongly that they are right and Bischoff has on his side the knowledge that if he's stubborn his side has an endless supply of money to fight the fight and Flair's side doesn't. The WWF also has definitely been sent feelers about using Flair should he be able to get out of his contract. Uh, Just a little bit of context here, obviously Ric Flair had uh, the no-show on Thunder and Bischoff had sued him for two million dollars so that's the current lay of the land with Ric Flair out of the company at the moment
3: you chortle there G but that's damages to the show Thunder they work hard themselves to damage it without Ric Flair getting his mitts <laughs> all
2: over it. all the time and efforts mm-hmm. uh, and another piece of news here uh, Marcus Bagwell has taken another turn for the worse uh, he, returned, oh, no. he returned home after surgery but was back in intensive care over the weekend in Atlanta because his blood pressure shot up and he was having difficulty breathing and nearly went into cardiac arrest from complications where they were having trouble stopping internal bleeding so after the broken neck also on thunder uh, Bagwell in rough shape and would not be seen for the duration of this timeline I hope he pulls through I hope he does too come on buff uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm duff <laughs> I'm easy either way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's get now to the first shows uh, of this time period May 4th again we, we talked previously about obviously Raw has broken the streak of Nitro at this point and Nitro has been preempted for the last couple of weeks due to the NBA playoffs which also continues here uh, it's a two hour show this week for Nitro on May 4th but it starts one hour earlier so it's completely uh, unopposed and that is said that the recent haul hasn't been on TV is because Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan are afraid of what he might say on a live interview uh, uh, they then introduced Kurt Hennig as the fourth member of the Wolf Pack. So, uh, it's the Savage, Conan, Nash, and now Mr. Perfect has joined the group.
0: Yeah, I think this was also um, the first kind of like signs of uh, the Wolf Pack being its own individual stable, uh, other than just name. You know, this is the debut of the, the black and red uh, uh, t shirts. They add uh, Kurt Henning to the group, and uh, I think later on Rick Rude, uh like pops along as well because he was bored. Watching with this Wolf Pack, like Nash and and savage were fit and and i'll reluctantly say conan as well he got there <laughs> yeah conan got there i kind of got it i kind of got why he was there but kurt henning being in that group was just uh, that didn't fit at all that they had they had some you know they were kind of doing a decent job up until then but there was something not quite right about that kind of team-up
3: I'm must admit, I, I personally never felt that kurt henning was just a natural fit for the nwo full stop to be honest when and you had that sense of, well, or at least I think, traditional element to wrestling, and I always, I always thought they would just be just so much better suited as the counterbalance to the NWO. But now I was never a big fan of heading in the NWO. Full stop. Uh, Finley beats Booker T
2: pretty much out of nowhere for the television title on this show as well Uh, Jericho did an interview running down Dean Malenko and brought out an unknown wrestler who he called Boris Malenko as was the Boris the man of one hold he had the number one on the back of his tights and beat him Jericho said the man of of a thousand holds was just a WCB marketing gimmick because Malenko was so boring and has no personality that nobody cares about him there's a lot of Brian Adams on this show unfortunately Uh, he he comes out there when Kurt Henry joins the Wolfpack he challenges Conan he comes out for the Steiner's angle where uh, Scott Steiner breaks down in tears to try and convince his brother Rick that he's uh, reformed (laughs) Rick Steiner comes out
0: and he he says something Uh, I don't know what Um, he's 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 literally barking I I honestly have no idea And then just in the background, you see Scott Steiner just really come out on on crutches crutches. by looking really sad and pathetic. And, uh, he just goes in this, this monologue about like, oh, you know, he doesn't want to fight me, he's his brother and stuff. And he's, and I was just watching this, just kind of thinking like, okay, well, we're going to get the NWO sneak attack. And then, and then a little bit of magic happens as just like a single (laughs) tear. pinches its way <laughs> out of his eye and starts running down his cheeks. On my notes I wrote down uh, Scott Steiner cries a tear of deception In <gasps> this the inevitable crush Brian Adams and, appears like, and decides to come out and crush the mood.
2: Nash versus Lex Luger is your main event with a running DQ finish <sighs> just to break the pattern. Uh, over on Raw again unopposed we have actually move uh, an interesting note here. There's a dark match before the show on the air. Vince McMahon introduces Dr. Death who beat two cold Scorpio with a backdrop driver. Dr. Death was said to look bad but he'll probably still get a push since they've been waiting for forever to bring him in as a main event heel more on that in uh, the next episode <laughs> of The Timeline. We actually kick this show off with Mick Foley doing a straight lace promo coming out in the Love Shack saying he'll never dance with the strippers or wear the tie-dye again, which is the Vincent Mann coming out and cutting a fantastic promo. Pretty much telling him that he's going to fight Terry Funk tonight and you're going to have to share the sacrifice, Mick, to prove that you deserve another shot. You didn't get the job done at Unforgiven, so you're going to have to kill Terry Funk tonight pretty much uh, in our main event.
3: It's v- Vince is Machiavellian best, isn't it, really? He's
2: great here. And Mick's obviously, you know, he's motivated by
4: Vince's words. He's kind of <laughs> nodding along as yeah. Vince feeling feeling what he's selling and uh, yeah it's quite
2: wonderful um, we get Jerry Lawler and Paul Bearer video backstage <laughs> this is horrendous talking about <laughs> how, he, how, he nailed the, horrendous. how he nailed the Undertaker's mom <laughs> of course this is referring to the fact that yeah, he announced that he was Kane's father uh, on, on the previous episodes of Raw but just a, a, a ridiculous bit of, of heel chicanery here as, as, as Bearer gets to the line about how oh, one of Alex is in LA and the other's in New York and he, he cackles and his feet start <laughs> moving <laughs> up and down <laughs> <laughs> it's just completely ridiculous when they come back from commercial and Lawler's there apologizing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that Didn't realise the cameras running. And yeah, yeah, of course not. Yeah, bullshit apology. Absolutely ridiculous. We a vignette here, another one. Val Venus, this time with Jenna Jameson. Get ready for his debut. I'm not too so sure about the uh, Val Venus is coming wording on the on the vignette. <laughs> <That's> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, an eight-man tag. It's DX. Well, eight-person tag, I should say. DX versus LOD and DOA is on the show with China taking X-Pac's place. Why is DOA still on the show, looking like it's, Steve Austin? Marks.
4: It's
3: it's the. Bro- <laughs> It's the WWF Brian Adams counterbalance. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, it brings equilibrium to the world. I'm just amazed that they were still employed by this point. Yeah.
2: We get the first vignette for Edge on this show as well. Yeah. Uh, I hear no words from him, but, uh, yeah, yeah God, very strange vignette.
3: God, did this make me feel old. Yeah? You are old. Yeah, but not that old. <laughs> Doesn't your arthritis make you feel old? It, it seems daft, to say, but just how much time has elapsed between now and then you think God, I, I remember this young debut in Edge who's now been retired several years <laughs> yeah,
2: so, uh, could anyone figure out if he was a heel or face from these vineyards of course not to, me, to uh, me this is a scream like such a raven ripoff mm. at the time uh, of course the main event Mick Foley Terry Funk mentioned before a, a much lauded match uh, Steve Austin commentary is quite great oh, yeah, any thoughts yeah. that anybody wants to chime in on this match
0: well he's, he's portraying a characterised version of himself outside of the, his, you know, the three faces of Foley or whatever and the fact that he's last amongst this kind of shuffle of of himself this this match itself of Foley and Funk is just uh just what you would kind of expect from these two just a complete drag out fight Funk's gonna die any moment because he just looks fragile as fuck and uh feel that a moonsault off the
2: balcony though I that's know so fucking awesome oh, no. <laughs> well, no, that's oh yeah he's oh, yeah. still, it's still oh,
0: fucking nuts as hell but like you, you get the, the entertainment at the end the Fo Foley winning and Vince coming out to the music and with, all, with and, the tie dye and, and, and tie and, and the women and he just starts gyrating the oh, dances that must have lured uh, Linda McMahon into bed
3: I'm sure <laughs> you can imagine this was, this was Vince you yeah. know channelling back to the days of stand back <laughs> oh yeah but, yeah. the the mute, the, uh, the dancing was almost oh. very reminiscent of that for me I,
2: I just love that one shot of Austin when he's watching he's trying, <laughs> not to th-
3: trying so yeah. hard
2: not to laugh and he just sticks his finger in his mouth like he's going to throw her yeah. hilarious so was it, was, did he whip out his grappling hook was that at the start of the show that was at the start oh, of yeah. the show when he, when he comes down and uh, rips down the love shack set All down the cardboard set which did not need a grappling hook to do no no mm. it probably sounded cool on paper let's get to the ratings here for this week Raw of course unopposed in its natural time slot there's a 5 rating, Nitro in a different time slot going earlier than usual is a 3.5 so again Ooh. Raw has the lead although again not head Jeez. to head let's get some uh, interesting notes here throughout the course of the, the week that followed, after Sting wouldn't turn heel and team with Hogan which is as you <coughs> mentioned on the previous timeline uh, Hogan wanted Scott Hall to join his side at the NWO, recognising he needs a strong partner to make the feud work and perhaps since fake storylines often turn into real life changes and friends and lovers, maybe it would weaken Nash's attempt at a power base if Hall wasn't always with him, we'll have to see if Hall will agree to the idea but the betting line is against that one Even Lex Luger's name has been thrown around as Hulk Hogan's potential backup. Of course, this is after Bret Hart's already turned heel, but uh, alas, apparently he needs somebody else. (laughs) Eric Bischoff was deposed for three days this past week in the WWF lawsuit against WCW. There's a lot of reports that the lawsuit is being used to try and dig up personal dirt on Bischoff, with the feeling that if they can nail him on something embarrassing as an executive in Time Warner, he can be dumped as a PR move, similar to what happened with Bill Watts. So that's the strategy from uh, Vinland. Plenty of nailing at the Gold Club. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Steve Austin appeared on Off the Record on May 5th and did the biggest rating in the history of that show so uh, Steve's on a roll here for ratings uh, People Magazine asked people online to vote for the most beautiful people in the world Some fans of Ric Flair have started a campaign <laughs> and at press time he's at number 12 on the list <laughs> Sure, Michael's back injuries have apparently worsened says Dave Meltzer according, oh, no. according to his lawyer, Michaels is in great pain while sitting, standing and is having trouble sleeping He's had a gel injection done in his back this past week to try and attempt to alleviate the pain. If things don't improve from this injection, he will have to have back surgery, although they would not be able to do the surgery until his occasional muscle spasms calm down. Sean's on the shelf for a little while that Kieran a few WWF wrestlers if not more are having their existing contracts ripped up and being offered new contracts with substantial raises in some cases doubling the contract since the company fortunes have changed so uh WWF are lightning the purse strings a little bit here
3: is Mark Merrow's name mentioned anywhere in there
2: no no, but but, but if you listen to Mick Foley and Steve Austin you'd think they would have been (laughs) Raw and Nitro are back head to head this week Uh, there's a lot of talk in the days preceding that in order to win the ratings this would be the week for WCW to bring in Jim Helwig with Hulk Hogan being the one to make the suggestion. <laughs> it does pretty much end speculation as to when the Warrior is coming in and now it simply changes to which week. So uh, I guess that's as official as it's gotten so far Warrior is on his way to WCW.
3: It's funny though I, I had no idea that sort of the wheels were in motion sort of that early if you like. I almost I always got the impression that it was sort of a sort of crash bang wallop type thing that they sort of a panicky contract written up on the back of a fag packet type of scenario <laughs> you know, a call one week in two weeks later sort of thing so I'm surprised that the, the wheels were in motion oh. as, as, as early as that
4: it was an idea written on the back of a fag packet it's just
2: dragged out from while. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to go back and forth this week because Nitro and Raw are head to head for the first time in a while uh, we'll go before the show starts WF flies DX to Atlanta to try yeah. and embarrass WCW at their own headquarters how fucking lame is uh, this yeah
3: talk about things that don't hold up well in retrospect this, the whole DX thing and I I wouldn't even just limit it to, to the Atlanta stuff as well or, or the stuff at the uh, at the Norfolk scope there's stuff in New York New as York's well terrible. I, I thought yeah. it was awful yeah Triple
2: H doing his best Pakistani impression for <laughs> yeah. a cheap pop. yeah jeez
3: also while well, throughout throughout the Raw shows they have them cut in with these super soaker adverts for the company ah. Ah, you know, how Triple H is involved
2: really
4: Triple H does not do the super soaker adverts this, advert. this, this the is other true place.
2: Ah, interesting. Obviously, after the uh, the DX attempt at an invasion at WCW headquarters, which we... involves them standing around outside, not even going into, th- of course, they loitering, get in. <laughs> loitering. Oh, those badasses! Uh, Bischoff on Nitro comes out on a huge bike and gloats about Vince McMahon sending his wannabes to see him, where they all know he isn't going to be. Uh, since they know Monday, Mondays he's at Nitro he told Sean Walton to bite him and challenged Vincent McMahon to meet him in the ring at Slamboree he made it clear for people to not buy the pay-per-view thinking they're going to see the confrontation so that nobody could construe it as false advertising he said that McMahon wasn't going to show up and hinted that if he did he'd knock him out the fans who hate the Bischoff character realised quickly that this interview isn't storyline and he got tremendous babyface pops for this speech great for a heel and <laughs> yeah. so hang on so the strategy was
4: I'm going to announce this don't buy the pay-per-view because it's not going to happen but I'm going to do it anyway
2: well yeah I guess it's the thing to try and deflect the heat from DX to, to himself and Vince where the real story was anyway uh, over on Raw, we'll go to Raw back again now, the actual show. McMahon ignored the challenge publicly, but his company sure didn't, which is the truer reaction. Jim Ross took jabs at WCW for the entire show, ripping on their headquarters in an industrial park, saying this wasn't the seniors' tour. Waltman, <laughs> Waltman told Bischoff to suck it, and Jim Cornette got in a few digs, first saying that it takes a lot of guts to challenge someone you know isn't going to accept. And when Al Snow tried to get in the back door without paying, he said, this isn't WCW, we don't have free tickets. Which is an unfair knock considering the WWF had more than 1,000 comps at the TV taping and WCW had 500 in a larger arena that actually sold out. So uh, that's the back and forth interplay for both sides with the uh, the Bischoff DX stuff on this show
3: I guess, I guess all's fair in love and war
2: I guess so love and uh, wrestling yeah <laughs> yeah so obviously on this show Vincent Mann announces himself as the referee at Over the Edge a great piece of business where the best there is the best there was and the best <laughs> so, there ever will be Vincent Mann with his tiny shirt comes yeah. out and is announced as the referee dude and Austin at the pay-per-view this preceded obviously before the week before
4: this they'd showed the uh Briscoe at home with his family.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, so obviously, this is, he, was the, he was the timekeeper, wasn't he? And mm-hmm. Patterson was the Patterson, announcer.
3: The, the announcer. As something that could only have been a rib because he still can't pronounce his S's. <laughs> <laughs> but he gives it the old college try, and it's wonderful to watch.
2: It is. Uh, as you mentioned there, Al Snow appears, uh, his, his first return from ECW, so I'm sure you're very excited about that, Carl. Thrilled. <laughs> Dustin Rhodes! burns his gold dust outfit in a barrel! It didn't seem like anyone cared, as there was no reaction except one fan screaming loudly and often you're a faggot
3: <laughs> come on G you've been waiting for about a year for this, 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 this I am serious just,
0: just watching this segment this is just like for me the greatest heckle in <laughs> wrestling history okay for me because he's got Dustin there he's having a bit of a rough time recently yeah. and so he's now reaching yeah, he's out yeah. <laughs> he's now reaching out to his fans right he's having trouble with his own identity and he's there burning the gold dust clothes right and he's, he's, he's looking for acceptance he's looking for an explanation from the audience and the audience are silent the audience is silent, they're listening to him, they're contemplating, they're thinking of what advice they can give to him. And underneath the quietness of the crowd, one person could be heard okay <laughs> and it's not even like they didn't even dumb it down they didn't even change it on the network no. it's, just, it's as loud as you could
2: hear Dustin yeah. and he does hear this one fucking yoke the example for players Dustin's <laughs> like oh you put me in this goalless outfit and why and then you hear the fans say because you're a faggot <laughs> and, then, and then he says another line and then he just follows it up with you're a faggot Rhodes <laughs> it's just like it's so bad it's, it really it's is really, so yeah. bad but it's,
3: it's that belligerent nature isn't it, it, it he yeah. doesn't just say it it once <laughs> he's gonna say it again. Yeah. got to get yeah. that in. Just in case yeah. no one heard. Yeah.
2: I think it's forget- he's gonna say it just in case Dustin didn't hear. I need him to know. Also on this show, Sable power bombs yes. Mark Mero. <laughs> what a great yeah. reaction this got to. Sable's Man. over huge ever since Man. WrestleMania. Man. This is just
0: awesome. One like Mero's great. Mero's great in this kind of role. He's a douchebag mid card heel guy. You know, trying to put down Sable, who's just blatantly watching these shows. The second most over person on the show after Austin. And crowd just pops like fucking shit, and uh, also on a side note, Lawler was hard during that match. I'm he, sure says on, was. he says on commentary.
2: <laughs> Does he really? he actually <laughs> says it on commentary, yeah, that he's hard. <laughs> <laughs> when table comes out, yeah. But there are obviously consequences that come from this problem that we'll get to shortly. Vincent Austin versus The Rock and D'Lo Brown is your main event in the in this show. Uh, which ends with Steve Austin turning around to a Vince McMahon clothesline, which really kind of caught me off guard when I watched yeah. it back. So I completely forgot the Stooges then put the boots to Austin. Austin makes his own comeback until Dude Love shows up, which then brought out Dustin Rhodes uh, as well as DX, yeah. and everyone ends up fighting at the end. A big chaotic scene yeah. to end this week's show.
0: Yeah, really kind of hot finish to the show. Just the crowds just going ape shit. Everyone's going ape shit in the
2: ring. It's just
3: and be- and because you don't see it every week on Raw as opposed to Nitro, yeah. it means something. Yeah
2: over on Nitro again we're still talking May 11th here we're going back and forth Uh, in terms of the actual content of the show other than the Bischoff challenge we have Hogan and Nash with a face-to-face in the ring with Nash surrounded by uh, Hogan's goon squad and the Giant walks out as the new member of the NWO with absolutely no explanation whatsoever he just says that he's got some uh, big backup and out comes the Giant with his shirt
0: well this is important because he hasn't turned before
2: well
3: well, obviously he has and
0: and and he's not going to turn very much again
3: I I think it would be more accurate to say I don't think he turned That calendar year. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Hogan
2: pins Randy Savage in the main event here when Bret Hart K.O. Savage with the title belt. Um, Roddy Piper showed up, reversed the decision, and announced that he's going to ref when Bret Hart faces Randy Savage on the next pay-per-view. The Giant shows up, Nash's NWO shows up to fight them, Sting's hanging out in the rafters, and everyone's fighting everyone for no apparent reason. So again, this had far less... uh, Impact than it did on Raw. The show ended with no explanation given as to what the main event will be on the pay per view six days later.
0: <laughs> it's because they, they, they've been, yeah, as, as Carl already mentioned with the, with the end of the Raw, it's just, it's just they've been doing these schmaltz finishes with the NWO for fucking months. Not not weeks, months we've been you know listen to the previous timelines that we've done, and count how many weeks it's ended with you saying oh but in dQ smart yeah, run in dq smart at the end it's just, it's fucking
2: boring again, this was head to head, raw did a four point seven to nitro's four point three uh, the key uh, the key here being that raw beat Nitro in every single quarter, so uh, and that's the first time that's happened uh, for, for quite some time, so very uh, very big stuff there, even the quarter with DOA? Even the quarter of D O A got the win. Within <laughs> wrestling on Tuesday morning, the most talked-about piece of conversation would who would win in a real fight between Eric Bischoff and <laughs> Vince McMahon. In the WCW offices, the story is that Eric, who has fought real fights in real rings against real people, would humiliate Vince in rapid order. In the WWF offices, and I love this, Vince would end it quickly because he's a tough street fighter from the other side of the tracks, so <laughs> and that martial arts stuff doesn't mean a thing. <laughs> he
0: fucking knocked on his ass by Bret well, Hart hey, with one right. punch.
3: Yeah. Hey, hey. Mean Streets of Greenwich, gee. Mean Streets of Greenwich. And he
2: brat that. Yeah, he, <laughs> that. Oh yeah, he, lay he <laughs> let <laughs> him do it. And karate doesn't work. anyway. (laughs) (laughs) By midweek, Vince McMahon had responded on the WWF website. I consider Eric Bischoff's challenge a cheap and desperate tactic to increase pay-per-view buys, he says. I will not do anything to help WCW increase their pay-per-view buys. Therefore, I will not appear at Turner's next pay-per-view as invited. However, if Mr. Bischoff is hell-bent on fighting me, then such a fight can be arranged at any time, in any parking lot in the country, void of television cameras, photographers, and public announcements. His lawyer, Jerry McDimmitt, wrote a threatening legal letter to Eric Bischoff. The WWF also complained to the cable companies about WCW intimating McMahon might be there, claiming WCW was using bait and switch tactics on the consumers in promoting slamboree. The bastards oh, are <laughs>
3: shameful
2: charlatans at WCW. Uh, of course, on the Thunder that week, Eric Bischoff then reads Joe McDivitt's letter on the air.
3: Read publicity from Medivis, he's yeah,
2: Absolutely, and the training vignette airs, of course, with uh, Bischoff challenging him there, which is pretty good, I like that uh, thing. Yeah, and
3: it's, it's a touch of the throwback to the original NWO videos, isn't it? The, whoosh, the black and white quick, quick cuts. cuts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Jim Ross yeah. replied on his hotline too, stating that McMahon was at his daughter Stephanie's college graduation in Boston that day, so he couldn't make it. Uh, he also hinted about actions of people in executive positions at Turner, saying that if they came out, they could be very unfortunate for them. Ooh. <laughs> uh, more news here Bischoff's personal secretary Janie Engel a longtime WCW office employee quit WCW this past week to take a job with the WWF Engel, Engel is the third front office employee over the past weeks to quit apparently at least partially because people in WCW are dropping from the internal pressure a key defection here, is it shaping up? It's Vince with his uh, old AWA strategy. I was going to say, isn't it just, though? Isn't it just? I'll take whatever I can. Just Anything I Nick. can get, absolutely. Uh, Flair is up to number two in the People's Most Beauty- <laughs> Those Beautiful People vote, ahead of Leonardo DiCaprio, but behind Hank the Angry Drunken Dwarf. The next W on uh, Flair's Parade appears to be Time Magazine's net voting for the Man of the Century, which opened this past week, and Flair is in first place ahead of Jesus Christ. <laughs> who didn't even live in this century that's about right that's only fair
3: I'm going to say some you know probably in some places in the Carolinas that's quite accurate
2: Um, Goldberg signed a new four year deal at 2.4 million dollars total this week Uh, several people are submitting their own booking ideas where they can be the ones to beat Goldberg first
4: (laughs) (laughs) hang on is that 2.4 million a year
0: no no over the total of four years
2: so whatever that breaks down to so 600,000 a year we we all know who's at the front of the queue though well yeah of course Steve Austin is doing more than double the merchandise sales of the number two guy in the business which at this point is Bill Goldberg so he's already superseded the NWO at this point in early May we move to May 16th how Show in Anaheim California the match that was hyped for months was Steve Austin versus Mark Mero uh, with a sellout crowd and the match never took place the idea originally was for Austin to beat Mark Mero and win Sable who'd be put up by Mero to get a shot at the belt in this match uh, to type all the previous interaction that we talked about in the previous timelines of the mystery flowers being sent to Sable Sable giving Austin the uh, fuck me eyes on a couple of occasions uh, Austin of course got the match nixed after he took the powerbomb from Sable on Raw uh, not wanting to sell for the guy that got powerbombed by Sable so that's the end of Mero and the end of any kind of big time push well, they still
4: do
3: little
2: interactions with
3: Austin and Stable, don't
2: they? they did, yeah. but uh, there's yeah, there's one where he helps her uh, get out of the ring shortly, yeah. but uh, that's, that's it for Mero. It's
3: certainly a story that uh, that Jim Cornette loves to retell.
2: Oh, <laughs> we go to May seventeenth. It's WCW Slamboree Eleven thousand five hundred ninety-two fans sell out the building. at 0.73 point seven three buy rate for two hundred and fifty-five thousand buys. Uh, Eric Bischoff wins by count out over Vince McMahon on this show. Nah, if you can, no, 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 oh, no, oh, no, no. Uh, uh, yes,
3: correct me, please. Uh, he is technically counted out, which uh, old buffer boy decides he needs to get in on as well, because he kind of the spotlight stolen off him. Uh, after which, they announce that, despite the ten count that was administered, Bischoff wins by forfeit and disqualification.
2: <laughs> of course. Of course he does. Everything but count out. Just a preposterous show-long thing, oh, nice. where they're the showing the the, the the Vinnie Mac cam. and uh, Dillinger. Dillinger, yeah. He, Heenan's great during this that's a card, Doug yeah it's great that's a boot yeah <laughs> Shivani gets his Jim Ross jollies off here as well mocking him
3: the pettiness throughout this is wonderful isn't it it really right is it all
2: yeah so he was in the limo I don't know it's never explained it was just one of those so, like, party limos with a bunch it, of girls it. probably, <laughs> so, so it's,
3: it's, like probably the, it's like the White Hummer from 99
2: we got the Cruiserweight Battle Royal here with Pay winning and D Malenko uh, being the one behind the mask unmasking to a fucking killer pop <laughs> and he just beats Jericho and is your new WC Cruiserweight champion this is great the last five months of Jericho's bullshit shenanigans paid off here and Malenko's the one that gets the duke so great stuff this is pretty much a standout for me on, on this show in just terms of entertainment value. I mean,
0: J- Joko's superb in this. Um, introducing all the participants of the Battle Royals, doing his own, like, uh, announcing for it and just some of the shit he comes up with. Buries, <laughs> everyone. buries everyone in there. It's, just, it's the thing he should do. It's just hilarious. Uh, Hoovy and, and Malenko under the mask just kind of staring at each other And that moment where Milenko en masse and the crowd kind of realises what's kind of going on. As you said, that that pop is just fucking molten for for, for an undercard match for a cruiserweight title match I can't think of a bigger pop I've ever seen in any show it's, it's absolutely insane the crowd are losing it and just, just, Malenko's intensity side. is just amazing the
2: start the intensity yeah. so, so he just punches in and he does like, the yeah. Austin kicks in the corner and the crowd yeah. and him are just yeah. losing their minds like, there's such a fucking great energy in Malenko yeah. here it really yeah. is uh, the yeah. main event of this show sees the Giant who's now in NWO Hollywood and Sting from WCW against uh, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash of the NWO Wolfpack when Scott Hall turns on Kevin Nash oh. Before the show, both Hall and Nash were heavily lobbying Bischoff to change his mind on the Scott Hall turn, citing that in recent weeks, both Bret Hart and the Giant have turned, and that another turn at this point would probably leave everyone flat, which as it turned out was correct. Uh, In addition, the timing of the turn made virtually no sense since Scott Hall is scheduled to go to rehab after Nitro, (laughs) so he'll be unavailable for four to six weeks anyway. Hall and Nash eventually agreed to the turn because ultimately Bischoff wouldn't budge and they weren't looking to breach their contract. This just, what a fucking waste this was. What a
0: waste. Hogan's trying to move people over back to the NWO Hollywood so that he could be cheered again.
2: I don't think that's what it is. You don't think think it is. You don't think that's why he's, he's, I, he's I, trying I think, to get Hall, who's popular? I think that, well, like I said, I think if, if he was re- if he really cared. Well, I don't know. I, I think, think it's I, far more about splitting them up politically than yeah. Else. It, I think
3: it's all political. I don't, I don't think it's about Hogan wanting to appear cool at all. It's all about strengthening his hand and weakening Nash's for anything that might transpire afterwards. Mm. From what I can record, it comes across as pretty flat in the arena. Oh, it totally well. does. You know, it sort of dies a death. You know, although, although they're. Their logic is you know despite their sort of um, political overtures, if you like of Holland national not wanting to be separated, their logic is right you know it it is too many turns and it 's just and people can say it 's possibly hindsight but but I always stand by the fact that this n w o civil war should never have happened. Starcade should have been the ultimate revenge, show and they should have just it all should have just gone to ratchet very quickly from the end of, for the n w o from there
2: Finley beats Chris Benoit in the opening which is a pretty good match but uh, it's, it's noted here if you're keeping score that makes four straight pay-per-view shows where Benoit has challenged for a title and lost and six losses in his last seven pay-per-view matches it's enough, to try, it's
4: enough to make a man insane that is
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, all, all I was going to say is just out of curiosity where was Gene Oakland to break Chris Benoit at this point <laughs>
4: what, was your, what was your thoughts
0: on the uh, the, the cage match the DDP Raven cage match the
2: barrier it went on forever
0: the, 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 yeah it went, went on forever and the fucking finish as well
2: the finish is gash I, yeah it's, it's, it's like a
0: slow this is like the slowest least Kim, Kim and Horace as the freaking Riot um, uh, squad, yeah. squad. Um,
3: but by this by this point I don't, think, I don't think anyone's really that interested in, in the feud it had it, it already peaked yeah, and, go, it, and Goldberg's already beat Raven for the US title the this smacks um, of
2: DDP getting the win back but again yeah, all yeah. the steam was out of this uh, out of this feud at this point mm-hmm. the following day we're going to go to Cork there's a couple of lawsuits filed here Rick Flair files a countersuit attempting to get the judges ruling uh, that would nullify his WCW contract and allow him the option to join the WWF it's pretty much known that Flair can return to WCW if he wants to and the lawsuit would be dropped but he's hesitant to do so Flair still leads in the balloting for Time Magazine's internet ball for man of the century to show how sick this has become Raven is now in fourth place
3: (laughs) (laughs) what? It just just shows how cool wrestling was.
2: I guess so. Also, that same day, May 18th, WCW files a lawsuit against the WWF and the USA Network for $2 million in punitive damages and an amount to be determined at trial in compensatory damages for claims of repeated and continuous use of WCW trademarks on their television shows. WCW also asked for a court injunction to prohibit them from usage of the WCW name, disparaging the WCW product on TV, and prohibiting using the likenesses or ring names of wrestlers under contract to WCW to promote its own business. The WCW lawsuit charges that in order to combat WCW success, Titan Sports undertook a campaign of disparaging WCW, starting with the billionaire TED skits and ending that Titan willfully and maliciously represented falsely that WCW was offering free tickets to the Nitro event in Norfolk, which is really the crux of this, because that's the one that they absolutely had them on and and WF couldn't argue. So this is very much a countersuit to the one that WWF had levied two years ago now at this point when they started doing the Hall & Nash stuff. Tip for tat, I guess because well, well, when digs on TV on enough you got to send the, uh, the lawsuits by paper plane
3: it's funny we, we've always known who Vince's lawyer was we never any, ever hear about WCW lawyers by name I want to know who they were <laughs> it's
2: like a whole team of
3: T- Ted Turner's like the Mr. Burns who just hits the button and it's the high price yeah, lawyers coming yeah. out. Yeah. Uh,
2: the May 18th episode of Nitro is a one-hour show at 7pm. Uh, exactly why Nitro was a one-hour show this week is completely unclear. It was advertised as a two-hour show, with the first hour live and the second hour to be taped to air after the basketball game, which was going in the normal Nitro time slot. Even as late as 5pm that day, that was still the plan, <laughs> and there was no explanation given as to why they made the change to only do a one-hour show. Very bizarre. No one knows what's going on here. Couldn't be asked. <laughs> Couldn't be asked. Uh, we get a fun quick show, uh, however, in this one hour. Should we get Bischoff doing the promo on the bike to start the show? Uh, Goldberg kills Glacier here. Great squash. Yeah. Uh, we get an NWO promo with uh, Hogan and Bischoff pretty much saying everything and hogging the spotlight with Scott Hall and Bret Hart just standing there in the background like second-tier stars. Oh. Uh, Giant then told Sting to come out and make a decision about maybe joining NWO Hollywood himself. Uh, Sting came out and spit at the Giant and left. Uh, Giant then destroyed Sting until Nash made the save, holding the baseball bat as the show went off the air. So again, kind of teasing that Sting is now kind of in between Hollywood and Wolfpack as well. Yeah, the, the guy who for the
3: better part of two years has been above the sort of the NWO fray, the the lone standard bearer, if you like. Yes, yeah, so that the man who till the bitter end would refuse to turn is now just a pawn.
4: See so, yeah, why well, you wanted the end of done after Starcade I I don't hate the idea of doing the, the, the split and the few cuz you know no, but
3: I, don't don't get wrong. I I can understand that I think we've talked about it before. I can understand their thought process going with the pat hand and, because it'd been so successful for them but it just and maybe it's not reflect it's hard to say it's reflected in the numbers because as Liam has said that their schedule's been messed about something horrific by the the NBA playoffs and, and all that that entails but it's just to me just sort of, it just screams that the wheels are coming off here, and it just, you know, without a, a, a proper sort of laser focus for for what it was going to be, too big an undertaking, if you like.
4: It's like I'd have done the split and had the feud, but adding these other guys to it is just horrendous. And that is what slaps. You. It's like, it's okay, we're not going to change really that much. It's going to be the same form of adding guys. Who, who's going to side with who? And it's just horror. It's, it's like they've got their they've got their one move we're going to go to, and we'll yeah. keep doing it just in a different mm-hmm. kind of way.
0: Yeah, it's just Hogan's unbearable again. it's just
4: <laughs> fucking. It's just so
0: ridiculous. It gets worse in the and, following and, and, weeks. Oh too. yeah, I know, I know. It's, and and just Bischoff as well. You know, it's it's good to be king. Just promos, just yeah. No, just all of it was hard. The, the only the only kind of thing that was funny was uh was a sign that you could see in uh, in the audience that has uh someone's wrote down. Hogan's wrestling is worse than his movies <laughs> and uh, the reason why I thought it was quite humorous of note because they felt the urge to put worse in capital letters and then underlined it twice just <laughs> to really
2: make th- it's worse it's, it's awful not the same worse <laughs> uh, over on Raw again this is unopposed once again the only knocks at the opposition following the lawsuits were the regular seniors tour comments from Jim Ross although he did seem sensitive about them since when Terry Funk was in the ring he said that Funk was special and even at 53 the WF isn't going to run a seniors tour later when Briscoe and Patterson wrestle in the main event he joked that maybe they were <laughs> uh, Val Venus comes at last <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with uh, him versus two cold Scorpio here and wins what's everyone's first impression of the big Val Boski it really
4: exemplifies the demograph they've got now and the, the overall direction come. they are balls to the wall Austin's play, saying chicken shit everyone's in saying in the first hour yeah. everyone's saying ass and you've got a guy who finishes the money shot he's a porn star and he's and it's not even subtle so it's just Night and day, how quickly this company has turned around after WrestleMania. i valves over
3: man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: That's that's the thing that got to me. It was just the the poppy gut when he came out and when he
2: won as well. It was just like uh, the power of debuting like, people with vignettes. Yeah, it's like Jesus, And,
3: and yeah, it seems strange to me watching it, back because I, I'd all, the way I'd always remembered it is that he was just pretty much debuted as as a although the character itself is he was just positioned immediately as a baby face I don't think that's quite the case here, and you mentioned about these he's wrestling Scorpio now you know, it's not as if they've done anything with Scorpio for the fans to really you know, care about him in any way and so in, in that sense it's not a typical sort of heel face you know heel ball in Scorpio face dynamic but th- there were suggestions to me I think we see in later weeks with who he wrestles that I'm not entirely convinced they knew which way they were going to go with the character
0: it's almost like they thought of the punchline but kind of didn't really kind of think what the joke was going to be, you
2: know. He's a, Ru- a, a Russo character! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a DNA test reveals that Paul Bearer is the father. We've got the guy in the, the lab coat He doesn't, doesn't take his lab coat off to come to Raw. Thanks for that. we got
4: Glenn Jacobs in his tracksuit and Clara
2: <laughs> in the fucking... Yeah, doing the blood test! Yeah. Uh, Bearer then calls the Undertaker's mother a two-bit whore. <laughs> which is just fucking great.
3: How great is Paul Bearer with the needle, though? Oh, yeah. He's brilliant. He's squealing at <laughs> yeah, the needle. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, after his triumphant babyface turn uh, the, the previous week Dude love beats Dustin Rhodes in two minutes thanks for playing
3: Dustin I guess who is apparently during this storyline fearful for his job but is wrestling for free they mention on commentary
2: <coughs> yes indeed Steve Austin versus Patterson and Brisker with Sergeant Slaughter as the referee as the main event. A fan in the Steve Austin mask attacks Stone Cold and of course it's Vincent under the mask. Uh, Doodlove comes out and attacks Steve Austin and lays him out to end the show.
4: And one of the themes we've talked about on Nitro it's, it's rinse repeat with their main events but the WWF ones with it's Austin it's usually Austin coming out on top with shine in yeah. one way or the other when he does get heat on him it, he's so protected it's just proper it's actually heat not just yeah. going back and forth like we get today it's like it's just Great stuff.
0: When, when you when you were watching Pat,
4: uh, Patterson and Briscoe back during this during this timeline, I just
0: kind, of, just kind of forgot how good they were in this role. They were just fucking hilarious. I mean, the less said about Briscoe's pants in that main event, the better. Oh, the Yeah, they, 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 he, it looks like he literally stolen from the Sandmans uh, You know, when when uh, Easy when invaded a few years ago. There, 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 was, there was kind of a moment like early on in the night where they they're doing really these promos. Foley and Vince are just fucking gold together. Heel kiss-ass Foley and Vince McMahon they're, they're just magic together and Patterson references something that uh, Austin said about him on the previous show about him not sucking oh, and yes. he just turns to the camera and he says oh, I don't
4: suck and I just burst out
0: laughing <laughs> so it's just
4: like cute Carl
0: joke
2: yeah yeah, here comes Carl <laughs> uh, was, but- this,
4: was this the show when Foley comes out with his, his- Side part in his, and his Wall Street, Wall Street Journal. Street. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's
3: a speaker of four different languages. <laughs> yes. yeah. Yeah. A leader of,
2: a leader of men and lover of women. Yeah. <laughs> All his new teeth in and out. He's, got the, he's yeah. got the dentures in. Yeah, yeah. good stuff. Roar does a 5.3 against unopposed. Nitro's one hour does a 2.5. So again, I, I don't think it can be understated just how much these playoffs. And these erratic time changes are just fucking hammering WCW at the worst at time. Yeah, yeah, just, time. Could,
3: just couldn't have come along at a worse time. I think it's it? actually,
2: I think it's understated. And I think it is worth mentioning here because it's it's one of those things where it just seems like the narrative is always WF just kind of got back on the saddle and, and, and weren't. It's like, no, man, at this crucial time when WF was rallying, WCW was was just up shit creek. All
3: fur coat and no knickers, if you will. But you, you can still see as further evidence of that the fact that. The one week during this, this brief this brief period where they did go head to head, yes WWF won the won the night and as you say, it, it did win every quarter. But the nitro number was still strong at a four point three. Absolutely. It, it wasn't what you'd call a complete and utter shellacking in the in the grand scheme of things.
2: The reason given to Brad Siegel at TNT for actually only doing a one-hour show instead of the planned two-hour show was the claim that there wasn't enough wrestlers to do a two-hour show due to the injuries, although reports from the wrestlers who were there say that an entire two-hour show was originally laid out and changed, and there were more than enough wrestlers around. So what the real reason is, is anyone's guess. Couldn't be asked. Couldn't be asked. honestly.
3: Happy hour finishes at eight.
2: <laughs> exactly, gotta get to the bar. <laughs> Uh, no word on what WCW are doing with the tag belts. Of course, uh, the Giant and Sting won them at Slammery off National Hall. Uh, Bischoff in the past has talked about dropping the belts altogether because he thinks tag teams are passe. The, the ironic thing is, is during, the, during these two months, the, the belt that
0: actually gets the most focus is the tag belt. Because sure as hell's not the fucking world title. Hogan's not there. Hogan's always well, uh, there. But he never wrestles. Well, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. He's, he's never wrestles for he never wrestles uh, for the belt. He's barely wrestling at all. The, the the main feature is the tag team titles. That's what it is. And you'll see
2: little main event pay per views as well. They are thinking of putting Dan Seven in a babyface group with Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman called the Shooters.
3: Oh God, that's money. I can
2: imagine those t-shirts flying <laughs> oh, off the shelves. Oh God, imagine, can you imagine the pro- the, yeah imagine the promos. The promos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it say when Ken Shamrock's the talker of <laughs> the team? He's the Michael Hayes of this Freebirds Alliance. <laughs>
1: getting out.
2: Uh, Kurt Hennig is out after getting his knee scoped there is consideration being given and apparently Nash is lobbying for it for the NBA Wolfpack to turn on him and get rid of him as Nash didn't want him in there in the first <laughs> place <laughs> so I guess he sees the same thing we do yeah. Dennis Rodman is pretty well confirmed for a tag team match at Bash at the Beach uh, from San Diego teaming with Hulk Hogan WCW is working on bringing another major NBA name in for that show and considering that the announcers have been bringing up Karl Malone recently and the fact that he's become friends with DDP uh, and Goldberg that should at least put him on the list when it comes to speculation. So uh, the, the original formulative ideas here of what would become the Bash of the Beach main event. Uh, as
3: Pippin said to him in the playoffs, remember Carl, the mailman don't deliver on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs>
2: great. Uh, we go to the next week's Night Nitro here, May 25th, the first good television show in a while, says Dave Meltzer. Uh, it opens with Raven doing an interview largely saying he wanted Saturn back, claiming that they were childhood friends. He said he'd fire the entire flock to get Saturn's friendship and dropped the with a DDT to prove it. So uh, Raven's been pretty great in this uh, this yeah. whole period of time actually, it's a little bit understated there Uh, The Giant challenges Kevin Nash to come out Nash did and was triple teamed by the Giants Vincent and Brian Adams until Lex Luger and Conan ran in to make the save and cleared the ring Before long Savage and Hennig were in the ring and Nash offered Luger Conan's NWO t-shirt. Luger accepted to become a member of the NWO Wolfpack to a huge babyface pop. So now Lex Luger is in the Wolfpack
3: Yeah you mentioned before about sort of cool and uncool G no one has ever looked at Lex Luger Apart from maybe Kieran in 93 during the Express days and thought, Lex Luger is cool. He was cool,
0: that it, it's, You know, Luger uh, joining the NWO is is kind of all, almost all along the same lines as, as, as Sting as well. Oh, like, I mean, Sting's obviously oh, a lot higher off it's, it's, of the the It pole, certainly but, is. Was also against the, the NWO the whole time. He never waned. And now all of a sudden he's joined the NWO at, at the, the Wolfpack. Just watching it, it's like both confusing but also at the same time it's like, well, it's, it's because the Wolfpack are the babyfaces. They're the biggest baby faces in the company outside of Goldberg. It's almost like they're they're, they're munching up all all the, all the other kind of you know next in line good guys you know just to try and make it stronger because it's the main baby face act now. But,
3: but the ironic thing is we we've talked about the NWO bloat if you like in 1997. Now they're swallowing up guys like Luger and eventually we'll see with Sting who who, who weren't ever members you know. So it it further sort of over eggs the pudding if you like. And Liam mentioned there about how know someone like Raven who, who was fantastic during this period but it's it's understated and you can certainly make a case that Raven was completely underutilised because to some extent you know, guys like him get lost in the shuffle because the NWO black and white or red and black are sucking up all the oxygen oh, I
4: am surprised Raven wasn't put in one of the Camps, to be yeah. honest. In <laughs> yes.
2: retrospect, yeah. Jericho then asked J.J. Dillon to come out and said he wanted the title change from uh, Slamberry <laughs> overruled because Malenko wasn't supposed to be in the Battle Royal. Dylan said he wouldn't overrule it unless Jericho gave him a precedent for something like this. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but fun stuff here is Jericho' it, it, his efforts to get the belt back. Just become a running great thing for yeah, the next yeah, couple of yeah, weeks. Pretty, up, pretty up,
4: much yeah. my favorite thing on the show. Jericho, well, like, probably long before this actually was Jericho.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, we get the best of seven series begins here with uh, Benoit beating Booker T. And uh, finally, in your main event, Sting and Lex Luger beat the NWO Sting and the Giants when uh, real Sting beats fake Sting with a Scorpion death drop. After the match, the Wolfpack come out and offers Sting an NWO Wolfpack T-shirt and the fans popped huge wanting him to take the shirt. If the show went off the air, he still hadn't made up his mind. We mentioned it there with Luger, they're teasing it now with Sting. Using any t- 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 terms of uh,
0: wrestling logic, yeah, it- it's still a bad idea. But putting yourself... Like in the time, like like I was uh, watching this show and just just taking the show as it is, it, it, it watching it, it seems like the right thing to do. It, it's weird, even though like everything tells me like no, like Sting was supposed to be the person that's against the NWO, no matter what color they had. But just when you watch the crowd, the crowd wanted it. I, I kind of don't really blame. Uh, Bischoff for kind of going in that direction because it's not like the crowd, are like, no, yeah, right, then I went and that. The crowd are fucking hot for it. They want him to join the main babyface <coughs> faction and it just kind of seems at the time because we, we mentioned in the previous podcast where I did the running thing of telling you what's the uh, WCW world champion doing and it's like not much because he's not the focus of the show and it, and it's just like you know they've, they've already buried Sting they did a good job of that early on in the year and it almost just seems like the look on Sting's face now is just like well oh, that's yeah fuck it, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. he goes fuck it that's over I'm not going to be the number one babyface in this company while the wolf packs around so I'll be a part of the wolf pack. Wasn't
4: the br- heart, that the heart angle? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Guys giving up
2: because... Yeah. Giving up because you need something yeah. better. Uh, May 25th on Raw, however, the same night, uh, Vince and the Stooges get arrested for assault. This is brilliant. When, when Steve Austin wins them out for, for Vince McMahon saying that he, he assaulted Steve Austin and got away with it. In a very confusing moment, he starts beating the shit out of yeah. him right in front of the police. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While they've got, the <laughs> they got the cuffs on While they've got the cuffs on him. That's a bit weird. It does lead to the great moment where Steve Austin uh, needs, gets Vince McMahon to apologise to come back in the building. Building. Vince gives this very soft apology and then there's the slow burn <laughs> yeah, the face really. comes up and he looks he's just swallowed sour yeah, milk it's yeah. just great no it's it's it's, uh, it's 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 numbered like 75
0: on uh, the book of uh, Vince's looks that he can give you know it's just that uh, again not seen these shows uh, before I realized i I've actually seen a lot of this stuff before because they, they managed to condense it so well into the over the edge Opening promo and that bit, that, that bit where he, he raises his head, and he's just got that look of sour milk yeah. on his face. It's just, I just always remember that face as much it's as hysterical. as much as any because it's just like he's such a fucking ham. Yeah, he's an absolute ham. But it's such, such a great contrast to Austin. He's playing it so kind of like straight and realistic. It's just it's fucking hilarious. But that's the face he pulled when he heard about Bischoff challenging him. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Puke debuts on this uh, show with uh, the uh, LOD beating DOA and in, in yeah. what is certainly one of the more blistering feuds of this time period for the <laughs> WWF the Jackal comes out for an interview with crackhead Bob and Hank the angry drunken dwarf of the Howard Stern oh, show weird. which leads to Luna Golga, John Tenter and uh, the Giant Silver debuting what, what's everyone's take on this very bizarre angle Jackal is just always
4: trying so hard yeah. and never connects no one gives a shit
2: I feel bad for him because he, he, he's, he's talented. He's talented. Yeah, he's I, talented I, it's yeah. like, I remember at the time I really wanted him to get
3: over and yeah. be like a key part of the show because I, I really did think he was that good. Like you say, Kieran, he, he does come across incredibly as, as a tryhard, and he's, he's trying to get this sort of, you know, the, the David Koresh style angle over. Him. I'd, I'd venture to, to guess that a lot of the audience probably weren't even aware he was going for the David Koresh. As, as a youngster watching, I just thought is a heel with a hippie outlook. It seems. Getting the the two guys from the Howard Stern show, I think it again, it's just a an example of the, uh, pardon the pun, but the, the company's attitude at the time, trying to, you know, that sort of that vulgarity element that you you associate with how the Howard Stern show and all that sort of thing. It all's just it's all part, just part of the presentation thing. Yeah, and crossover audience as well, though,
4: for yeah. advertising, yeah. just typical WWE mainstream crossover. Ploys,
0: really I
3: think the one thing that they they've always historically they always excelled at that WCW generally failed to capitalize on.
0: It as you said, like he, he's got like potential to him, you know, he's got like talent to him. But just watching a segment and just like bombing, and I'm just like, <laughs> like,
4: yeesh. Like, yeah, like, oh, it's, it's, that's a shame. It's just he's he's a good promo, but he just always comes across as not authentic to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and not authentic, and and just yeah, it just doesn't connect during this yeah. period. It's like it's it's different from what the audience wants at this time. So it's it's followed up with a.
3: Golga, Headbanger, Thrasher, or Mosh, I forget which one, match, and who could really care about that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Although we do, we do have hang the angry drunken dwarf swearing on the microphones, that's quite a bizarre and unsettling scene. Um, Farouk Pile drivers Rocky Maiv here on the stage. Great Pile driver oh, here God, on the ride. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff here. Uh, during the Vader versus Jeff Jarrett match, Michael Cole talked about how Vader was in the best shape of his life, and Jim Ross came back saying he thought Vader was out of shape.
4: Yeah. He's like, he's still pretty over.
2: No, oh, Vader's over, but yeah. He's
4: fat. And he falls over a couple of times. And this, I think, I can't remember during this period. Is this like the two or three weeks in a row where Rock does jobs every week?
2: Yeah, yeah, pretty much around this time. Um, Vader just getting back to Vader. Vader's belly is clearly far bigger than usual, and maybe his biggest yes But it's the first time in the history of the pro wrestling universe that an announcer has made the observation of a headliner building up an important pay per view match. Uh, we also get another DX skit here for, on WCW. This time, skywriting. Oh uh, right, yes. Yeah, this was for, this, fucking this, this, the worst this, this, of all. This is supposed to be this supposed to be their blockbuster sequel to their. Uh, <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) to their invasion of WCW and it's just it's pants it's awful it's even worse than the first one this is the worst by far it's so Triple H in the plane is the fucking hokiest guy in the world it's like you are so lucky to be with these guys <laughs> yeah the least cool person in that company right
3: now Sean's back pain was all sort of deferred pain from the emotional distress he was under during this period Maybe. thinking this is what my group's become <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, also on the show it's mentioned in the main event it's supposed to be Steve Austin uh, defending the title against The Undertaker with Vince McMahon as the referee and Vince orders that it must happen and naturally after you know, one week ago complained to the cable companies about baiting switches from WCW the match doesn't take place Taker comes out and chokeslams Vince McMahon instead which at the time I remember thinking I didn't really like it because that was kind of Austin's thing yeah very
4: much Taker thankfully it short lives and then they start towards the, I mean this is already the start of, of the foreshadowing for SummerSlam um, with a couple of things Rock uh, sorry Rock and Triple H uh, Austin and Taker um, Taker I mean for a couple of weeks he is Steve Austin which I really didn't like short sure, quickly
3: after that he starts playing subtle heel yeah as we get to so like like the sting thing which I'm I'm not a big fan of him but the the crowd reacting to it yeah. in the same context the crowd do go ape shit when he chokes slams vince and then Austin comes out which just <coughs> takes up another decibel yeah. level yeah and at least even though it is a bait and switch you get the sense that the fans are getting you know a payoff of a kind because Vince is getting his ass kicked and yeah. Austin's still looking like the man so. uh, I thought, it was,
4: I, thought it was, I had no problem with the switch because in, in the context of they knew they are going to these two
2: at SummerSlam it was already planting the seeds for it it was putting it in the back of your mind mm. I thought the it was just
4: good, great stuff yeah
2: exactly I thought it was yeah tremendous uh, interesting again this is one of very few weeks in this whole period so far where Nitro and Raw are head to head and the ratings are in both shows do a 4.2 for a tie finish Ooh. so by no means is this this war Thanks won, won yet um, the DX Skyrising angle that they because yeah, they just I oh, fucking hate it because the WF narrative is that you know Triple H was important everyone in 1999 that this, this DX Skywriting angle the rating dropped from a 4.7 for Taka Michinoku and Dick Togo <laughs> to a rate Dick Togo to a 4.0 for the DX Skywriting angle so fuck off Triple H
0: well I you know what I think that's more of a testament to how over Taka and Dick Togo are
2: rather than that the segment was bad that's a great to sense be honest. honest. Uh, Jim Hellwig's WCW debut as The Warrior is apparently dependent upon the ratings. There was talk of debuting him as soon as the June 8th Nitro if the WWF were to win in the ratings for these next two weeks, but if WCW is leading in the ratings, they'll stick to the original plan of holding off until early September.
3: you gotta, you got to love that laser focus.
2: They have also been talking with Sid Yudi about coming into WCW, <laughs> which shows that no matter what you do, what your ability is and what your track record is in this business, you will always find work if at one time the crowds are into you when softball season uh, it's actually yeah I think it's wrapping up it's actually around this time but it's wrapping up shortly oh, okay. the only question is is he red or white <laughs> <laughs> and just how guilty a pleasure will he be this time uh, Janie Engel the secretary for Eric Bischoff who quit last week to take the job with the WWF was given a huge increase in pay and changed her mind and is now staying with WCW her situation apparently because she has a lot of knowledge about inside affairs in WCW with a lawsuit outstanding made it a major piece of business for WCW to keep her so clearly she knew where the bodies were buried and yeah, uh, they wanted to that keep Hogan's her Hogan's got a tiny dick <laughs> at all costs we've got to keep her yeah. Scott Hall is expected back in three or four weeks after rehab. The timing of that heel turn really made a lot of sense considering how it's basically been dropped in commentary since he's left.
4: Well, they could always change their mind to say he was drunk and didn't mean it.
2: (laughs) He he was a giant, yeah.
4: Coordination was off.
2: In the My How Times Change department, Kevin Nash, if Ric Flair's problems are worked out, is wanting to bring Flair into the wolf pack. (laughs) Of course! It wasn't that many months ago when Nash was trying to manipulate Flair right out the picture. Fucking hell, Kevin Nash! You just absolute dirtball. Hey, come on, he's, he's
0: moving the, the. But he's doing it with humour. And, humor. and, 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 and <laughs> the looks he's moving
2: the chess pieces in this battle with Hogan. Sunny has voluntarily removed herself from the scene due to a personal situation. She'll be back when she decides she can come back. I wonder what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doctor Death Steve Williams was asked to drop from 285 pounds down to 260 before starting up. So a real weight initiative going on here at this time in the WWF and uh, we'll come to that shortly, because it is May 31st but before we get to WWF Over the Edge, which happens the same day uh, an interesting note here, with WCW online for two of the biggest shows in company history in early July, the manipulation and jockeying for position began in a big way stemming from a secret meeting at Hulk Hogan's house, (laughs) with Hogan's usual crew of Ed Leslie, the Giant, and Randy Savage uh, meeting with Bischoff the planned main event for the bash appeared to have been Hogan and Rodman against DDP and another celebrity, however Hogan at the meeting tried to get Paige moved out of the match and replaced by Savage, figuring a celebrity media rub would be better served going to a member of his crew. Uh, Page's name being involved immediately stood out as a political favor, whereas Savage's name in that spotlight makes more sense both name-wise and storyline-wise. It is not certain, but there was some conjecture that Page got the main event slot not because of his association with Bischoff, but from his role in securing another celebrity as being his tag-team partner, and thus the company benefited from his recruiting. Obviously, we'll come to that very shortly. Uh, in addition, WCW will almost surely set its all-time attendance record, and has already broke its all time gate record, which was previously held uh, by Starkade 97, with a shocking first day of ticket sales for the July 7th show at the Georgia Dome. What makes this show even more intriguing was that over the weekend, Hogan volunteered to work a dark match on the show, suggesting his opponent be Bill Goldberg. And since it would be a non-title match and Hogan has no problem over doing clean jobs when it isn't televised, one would think he made it clear that he isn't going to harm Goldberg's streak. This is one of the reasons Hogan is where he is in the business, says Meltzer. All of those tickets have already been sold without anyone having any knowledge of the match. No doubt when the match is officially announced locally in about one week, it should help sales even more. When all is said and done and the event is over, it won't be remembered as Nitro drawing the house, it'll be Hogan and Goldberg drawing the house. Most importantly, to the Time Warner bigwigs, some of whom will be at the building that night, and they'll be amazed at the crowd for a wrestling event, uh, and attribute it to Hogan, since he's the biggest name, wrestling in the main event. Uh, So obviously it's Hogan's idea here, him and Goldberg. If WC CW's in a tough ratings war says Meltzer and that would seem likely it would be no surprise to see the Hogan Goldberg match get major hype on a national basis and wind up on television when all is said and done although that definitely was not the plan when Hogan suggested the match on May 31st here
3: they'd be be crazy crazy to do that and throw away all the pay-per-view revenue they They could get they'd do that Carl. no one's that
0: stupid yeah (laughs) And even if they would, they will certainly give people enough notice as well. Why? They've already sold the tickets. <laughs>
2: of course. Of course, we do move to WWF over the edge. May 31st, 9,822 fans in the building didn't sell out. And a 0.65 buy rate for 225,000 buys. Very low number. Uh, and, and lower than the uh, corresponding low- WCW pay-per-view weeks earlier. Lower than Slambery Unforgiven before this did a 1.1 buy rate for 325,000 buys. Dips here to 0.65 for 225. So a big
3: fall uh, month over month. Despite the narrative that the uh, WWF have created over the years uh, Not All in the Garden was completely rosy as soon as they uh, got that first ratings win
2: not at all uh, all of a sudden says uh, Meltzer in his review of the show the Red Hot WWF product was exposed as what everyone knows to begin with became more obvious that the current success of the WWF is a pyramid balancing on its head the head of <laughs> Steve Austin uh, you get a belt of in the main event with D-Love here absolutely classic match which I, I, I love very very much but a fucking awful undercard I have to say I do not like the undercard on this show at all I know gee, you have very different memories of this show but uh, there may be a bit of a debate here because just
3: before G- you get enjoy started it. I, I, I don't i recall there being a fantastic opener on the card what was it
0: doa versus legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes I, I probably should have mentioned this um uh last podcast when we were doing um uh guilty pleasures because this would probably be on there um but it just this was just one, one of the tapes i bought in 99 when getting to grips with with wwf and, and what they've been doing and so on and so i do remember the austin froley match really well i think it's a great match it's a it shame it, it, it's a shame it has that kind of that buy rate kind of attached to it because the main event does it is great A, a Foley I think looks superb in it and just there's McMahon as well. There's all the components: McMahon, Briscoe, Patterson going through the commentary tables one after the other. Undertaker at ringside, yeah. and, and Undertaker shit himself.
2: Undertaker yeah. being the uh, the guy uh, that uh, was the security for Vince, make yeah. sure Vince didn't fuck Austin yeah. on this show. Keeping again, the belt on Austin. Keeping the belt on Austin. But again, the Undertaker the Austin, Austin association. The log on the fire.
3: But we can't. It would be remiss of us to mention this paper and mention the main event without talking about the wonderful ring introductions for that man
2: <laughs> Pat Patterson's highlight for this entire period absolutely for me, it was tremendous I, especially at the end when he just caps off with saying about Austin I'm not going to introduce a bum that's it <laughs> 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 yeah, the, 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 the Takamishinoku Bradshaw
0: against time match I mentioned last week has been a guilty pleasure just as the, as I said the carny kind of sideshow element of it just watching it just thinking wow that's the first match I saw that's the first match I ever saw getting back into wrestling in 99 I was like wow wrestling's <laughs> changed <laughs> I saw it. It's just big horses like beating the shit out of the little midget Japanese guys. It was hilarious, but um, <laughs> but yeah, there's that, some great stuff. I think I think Rock's general performance on this show uh, is matter Farouk's okay at uh, best. Awful. No. it's best. Awful. But 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 the Rock, but the Rock's performance on this, like his promo <laughs> when he comes out in, in Milwaukee and stuff, and he just breaks the crowd and stuff. I think Owen Hart was 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 funny on this show as well in little kind of spots here and there when Rock uh, gets a pile drive, Sable marrow. Was was a hilarious little. It's a spot. It wasn't a match, you know. Like Mero being continued to be a douche. Outside of the the various. LOD and DOA kind of matches and, and the tosh that we had on this show I want I do want to bring up one thing and which... we'll,
2: we'll get to it now just before you do I want to mention because that's that's what we'll close this with but yeah. I, I can't let this go without mentioning the fucking awful Jerry Lawler Crusher Mad Dog Vachon fiasco on this <laughs> oh show <God. laughs> when... I didn't even write that down oh yes I did <laughs> <laughs> oh it's fucking awful and it just goes on and on forever where Crusher gets a nice little moment in the ring and of course Vincent Mann backstage had to fuck with it so Lawler actually Lawler writes about this in his book Lawler goes in there and takes Mad Dog Vishan's leg off. It goes for the wrong leg at first, which would have really been a tragedy. <laughs> and then, uh, and, and, you know, goes to the assault on it. I think he throws it at Crusher, who's doing the bolo punch, and some people are into it, but it's just sad when he takes his shirt off. And uh, But apparently, the real life story is that Vince was just making up the angle on the fly. When Lola would get back on the headset, Vince is saying, go back in there, get his leg off, and hit him with his own leg. <laughs> and, like, he's laughing hysterically, and oh, it's just a it bombed. But of course, the big thing that you're talking about here, G, Kane versus Vader. Kane goes over. And a classic promo after the match. (laughs) He's he's putting over Kane because, like you know,
0: as as we're going to find out, Kane's going to be the next challenger and yada yada. What follows was just for me a disaster. As someone (laughs) who enjoys Vader's work, and and first of all, I'll tell you this: this this is this is this will tell you like how I had to climb back out of this pit. This was the first time I ever saw Vader.
2: (laughs) This is your first impression.
0: I kind of watch him and it's like, okay, he's he's a big guy. And he can do some impressive shit. That's fine. And then I'm faced with this promo where he he looks at uh, Kevin Kelly and Cole. and Cole, who cares? Um, <laughs> and and they just turn around saying, "Oh, you know, how do you feel about this loss?" And he just goes into this sad, <laughs> pathetic tirade of just going like, "I tried working out, but just look at me. I'm so goddamn big. <laughs> I'm nothing but a fat piece of shit. You're
2: <laughs> a big fat piece of shit." And it's just
0: like. And because, because I followed that up By seeing the Vader Sting stuff And like Just seeing Vader When he was like Dominating and stuff And I was just like What? Yeah. How do you go from that To that?
4: <laughs> was that either A promo Vince Cut on him Or a promo Vince Cut on him Behind his back And they, th- they thought yeah let's have him do that yeah a oh, fat that's, piece of
0: shit. Be, because that's a great way to get that guy over that's the intention to make him no.
2: believable isn't it is by having him co-out and call himself a fat piece well, of shit if you look at that's the, gonna work If you look, gonna do wonders if you look at the trajectory for the next three months they wrote Vader off from this point yeah. he, I, 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 this is it for him. I could be much.
3: mistaken but I don't think he wins a match between now and the end of his contract
2: I'll be surprised if he does shocking we move to the next night on Raw we're at June 1st we start for the great segment with Vincent Mann and Mick Foley with uh, Mick Foley being fired by Vince, Vince is great here again. Another great speech where he's, he's talking down to Foley and uh dude love is fired yeah, for failing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah this, in, the seat, isn't
0: yeah.
3: This, in the this is a wonderful piece of business. The um, the selflessness of Foley to, to allow himself to be berated and look pathetic in, in that moment. A little bit of praise in there, Of course I do, because <laughs> how, how many other guys, particularly uh, over in Atlanta, would just completely squash any suggestion of that happening? But, the, the one thing i deal with that is a genuine explanation from Vince as to why he doesn't fire Austin because all the while you'd look for this to boss the employee you'd just sack him in any other walk of life but you know I just I like that that little nuance of an explanation behind it so, you know some logic to everything
2: and the explanation he gives just for the listeners who haven't seen it
3: the only reason I don't fire Steve Austin is because he makes me richer yes <laughs> the,
2: the thing
0: on top of the Vince thing I don't know if you remember this but it's, it's also right at the beginning of the show it's, it's the promo that they run uh, kind of summarising what happened in the main event of Over the Edge oh yeah narrated by <laughs> yes. Vince McMahon himself yes. as he's just saying the, the brave valiant, and he's talking he's talking about himself in the third person like it's not <laughs> (laughs) him saying this it's it's, like some some, they've hired some voiceover guy to do this but it's fucking Vince McMahon and it's the fact that it's it's,
3: you know the manner in which he cuts it the the, the sort of the, the narration or the promo whatever you want to call it it's you know it's 1996. What yeah. a maneuver, Vince on commentary, or yeah. or if you can imagine for anyone who hasn't seen it, Vince McMahon in the sort of late eighties, early nineties when he's introducing the the names who are in the Royal Rumble for the start <laughs> of the show. Yeah, yeah. It's that sort of animation yeah. you're getting, which just makes it hilarious.
0: He, he's just he's just kind of there saying, "Oh, Vince McMahon valiantly uh, tries to maintain order in this match," and it's just it's just just this, <laughs> this, that. This, in a similar vein to like the intros at Over the Edge like yeah. you're just doing that oh it's just that, that tidal a wave a friend of, to us all yeah, yeah, <laughs> a that friend ti- to us all that, <laughs> that, that tidal
2: wave of just just <laughs> the shit the corporate shit of the spins uh, also on this show LOD this is in Chicago LOD and Doa do a Chicago street fight uh, in the parking lot area LOD versus DOA <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, Dropping loads <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with <laughs> with unlike Vader yeah mm-hmm. ends the undertaker walking in and beating everybody up the, uh, there's a piece of like staging equipment that comes flying towards yes! the camera yeah. Yeah. I,
3: I completely I watched this back um, end of last week as a, as a refresher I completely forgot about chains on that bit of equipment as it just starts rolling towards the fucking the camera. camera and the camera's running away desperately <laughs> trying
0: to get away it's, from it it's, it's just the whole fucking thing's just weird Like there's just, like, I, I can't remember who's, who's punching it there's this bunch of people that's fighting yeah. and you've just seen this lone figure looking like the fucking you know Eric Banner at the end of Incredible Hulk TV show but just in the opposite direction he's yeah. just walking his silhouette and he's like who the fuck is this and <laughs> it's because like Undertaker he, he, he's not trying to you know make time on this he's not trying to get down there but He just he's fucking strolling well he has walked all the way from Milwaukee the I guess time. so yeah but it's just but yeah just that moment where like chains or whatever he's just rolling on it and, like I think like Sunny screams as well yeah, like Jeff, away. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> like the boulder at the beginning of Indiana Jones there's chains on a fucking trolley <laughs> yeah, yeah it's idiots. funny
2: of course take it as a out of character promo here which we know because he's wearing tracky pants of course he's not he's, not, he's not in his... a <laughs> jumper <laughs> he's jumper oh yeah and, and and guys the faux pas I think the jumper
0: was tucked in
2: oh, oh that's always regrettable um take it once a title shot to obviously Vince comes out and calls his mother a whore which is just <laughs> awesome <laughs> just completely shamelessly says it kind of backs up and then says uh, 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 uh. If you want the title shot, you've got to beat Kane tonight, which is pretty good. So, obviously, that's our main event. Taker and Kane in the main event for the number one contendership for King of the Ring. Uh, Jacqueline debuts with uh, Mark Mero in a very... This is quite funny, just from Mero's promo. He talks about how he's got a new valet, and not only is she... What does he say? Bigger and better? She's black! <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get the Nation beating DX in an elimination match when Ken Shamrock runs in on Owen Hart for the disqualification. Dan Seven saves Ken Shamrock. Uh, so maybe the shooters are on their way after all uh, we get a pull apart with Triple H and Ken Shamrock which seems very kind of mishmash and kind of random bit Russo-rific there uh, Tennessee Lee introduces Southern Justice as Jeff Jarrett's bodyguards on this show uh, which are only noted here because apparently the original plan was for the Godwins to be the bodyguards for DX and debut at Over the Edge but then getting over his babyfaces the what? plan was scrapped yeah when they were what? heels when they were heels they were going to have the Godwins as their bodyguards until they, they became babyfaces and they dropped the idea Jesus. I'm assuming they would have rebranded them then they
3: wouldn't have just been the Godwens.
2: well no they're in Southern Justice like they were here I'm assuming right. but you know I can't imagine Phineas crotch chopping to, to the heart to the light of no one god. Uh, crotch
3: chop followed by uh, a mule kick
2: <laughs> Mark Henry beats Terry Funk on this uh, show which I want to mention just because Terry Funk fucking does an Asai moonsault onto the guardrail and <laughs> he kills himself god bless Terry he's trying here but a bit of an injustice of a result yeah it's sad um, at the end yeah, this is
4: ter- this is got Jr. on commentary as well making his he always references the 53-year-old Terry Funk.
2: Yeah.
3: In retrospect, you you kind of wish that the the match with Foley had been been his last one. You know, g- going out in in, in, a, in a manner which meant something and not doing a job to Mark Henry in a King of the Ring qualifier.
2: Yeah. Um. At the minute, of course The Undertaker versus Kane, with Kane getting the Duke after Mankind runs in. So Foley's back. Dude Love was fire, but Mankind's back. So uh, there you go. He's he, he's back in the fall to end the show and uh, aligned with Kane. As we move forward to the following week Over on Nitro however An interesting note before we even kick off with the details It was the first Nitro to not sell out In 26 straight shows So uh, mm. not not a good sign there for Nitro The show opened with a white limousine And WCW had J.J. Dillon, Booker T, DDP And Bill Goldberg coming out as its representatives What yeah, a fucking does, motley does crew that is random. Booker T is one of the top stars already this only exemplifying in fans' eyes how pitiful the WCW team must be when that's the best they could come up with. Uh, Randy Savage comes out and challenges Roddy Piper to a match after their planned tag team match at uh, the Great American Bash pay-per-view, uh, which is scheduled to be Piper and Savage against Hart and Hogan. Piper then asks Savage if, when he was a kid, his parents built him a swing facing a wall. <laughs>
0: this this is a great promo. I got they do they do these uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, these two, they go back and forth, and just for some kind of perverted reason, these, these, even though it's just the same type of promo over and over again for like about two, three weeks, I think they do it for. Piper kind of just makes them entertaining, and yeah. like weird, this weird little lines like that. I can't remember when a time when Savage and. Piper faced each other Not the WWF they
2: didn't Yeah So I was actually Kind of watching this Actually quite quite interested Because I've never seen Him fight before Yeah no Interesting matchup But uh, Mm. it's funny Because Piper mentions here That Hart was pulling A swerve on Hogan Since he'd never worn An NWO shirt Hart then showed That he was wearing A Hogan t-shirt Which obviously was The illusion that was uh, Talked about in the Previous timeline show Where Mm. Hart's master plan Was that he was only Aligned with Hogan To get to Hogan So interesting uh, Little thread there Possibly if they actually Paid it off Which they never did (laughs) Nope Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude do an interview on the show. Hennig's on crutches as his knees is uh, suffering from inflamed jobberitis uh, which has to do with working with Goldberg. Hmm. Uh, we get the Joko conspiracy victim video on this show though. Uh, in response to JJ's thing last week, this is great. <laughs> Joko talking to the homeless woman about the situation in the battle royal. It's just this is class.
0: Is this is this when he goes like uh, all the different places? He's like in his suit. Yeah. And he's going to it's, like the Congress or something yeah, like that. Congress. He's just going to all these different places, and they just keep booting him out. Yeah. And in the end, he's just not getting anywhere. And the um, I don't know some fucking you know rent-a-cop security guys or something like that. I just say you're gonna have to leave now. <laughs> and this has been a pain in the ass. It's just, this whiny-ass Jericho is just, just money.
2: Uh, they were chanting Goldberg's name like crazy all through the show, uh, leading to his match with Lepaka, which is just fantastic, because you get Lepaka hitting him with a steel tip The match consists yeah. of Lepaka hitting him with a chair, Goldberg standing there with no-selling it, spearing him and jackhammering him for the pin. <laughs> Parker's knee was legit blown out on the spear, and it's believed he suffered a torn ACL, and he was on crutches at press time, so Goldberg's spear fucked his knee up. It's not a spear, it's a flying tackle takedown oh it's brilliant Mm. Uh, Hogan and the Giant versus Randy Savage and Kevin Nash is your main event Luger is now working in tight jeans Uh, I'd say wearing tight jeans would make working difficult but in the case of Luger it's all the same (laughs) (laughs) we get a DQ finish of course for Hulk Hogan hitting Nash with a title belt and then Sting joins the wolf pack at the end of the show comes down in the NWO uh, Hollywood t-shirt Slaps hands and asses with Hogan And then uh, clotheslines him Slams the giant Rips off the shirt And he's got the red and black Underneath uh, He smiled for the first time In years As the show goes off the air However when the ratings Came in on Tuesday Nobody was smiling Says Meltzer mm. so. Also just in
0: Kind of reminiscent Of when uh, Vince started dancing During Dude Loves Music There's a, a strange little dance That Nash does as well Right on oh the closing God, Of the yeah. show There's some weird little jigs Yeah there was, uh, there was A pretty good like, segment With um, Raven as well um, I believe he was in a tag match with uh, with Perry Saturn.
2: They win basically. Saturn does all the dirty work, and Raymond really runs him for the pin, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. He runs him for the pin, and then I think. Oh yeah, this this is where he turns around and he basically just goes back on everything that he said to Saturn in order to get him to come back. He just says, "Look, guys, um, you know I'm still worried about this morbid, uh, more this Mortis. whatever Mortis Canyon situation." Um, so I've brought back I've rehired all the flock
4: yeah. and, and, and just, so they
0: all just come back in and Perry sounds like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> and it's just like it's just Raven <laughs> going back going forth luring him in but then just being like he's just full of fucking shit he's just that he's that you know like what they would describe Paul Heyman to be you know like yeah. make everyone drink the Kool-Aid but it's just like you know he's, he's actually just lying to them to manipulate him it's, there, there was a massive potential for him yeah I mean
4: can you imagine if he was on the other side at this time when yeah. there's a dearth and an opportunity to grow oh yeah
0: he, he, oh, so much so many of those he, guys I know he, 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 yeah, he would guys. have been a great fucking for Austin he would have been point. great. he would
2: have been amazing at been great. I especially love the moment where he says after, Like you say, he brings the flock back and, and then he says to Saturn by the way I've signed you up with a match with Canyon at the next case <laughs> yeah you. yeah you're, you're facing him <laughs> yeah, you're facing him I consider it a favour no need to thank me <laughs>
0: yeah oh god that's it yeah it's, yeah oh it's brilliant <laughs> yeah great fantastic
2: the ratings come in Raw did a point. 3.5 to Nitro's 3.7 WCW's lowest rating of 1998 although both numbers are down the combined 2 hours head to head saw Raw take all 8 quarters and finish with a 4.35 to 3.6 margin of victory uh, with the main events going head to head which is the biggest margin since the earliest days of Nitro Hogan didn't work the slamboree pay-per-view realising that bouncing around the Nitro time slot would hurt the build and yet the buy rate didn't decline then he didn't appear on the Memorial Day Nitro again on paper intelligently since he was it was the first week back head to head and WWF should have won the night, but it ended up in a tie, as we've already mentioned. Then, when he showed up on this week's Nitro, the rating tumbled. Uh, while he is jumping on the Atlanta big gate momentum, this is the first strong sign that Hogan's seeming business magic has declined to perhaps not being all that significant, which coincides with Steve Austin's rapid ascension as the new top star in the business. So uh, this is the first time We talked about this On the previous show Where Hogan's overexposure Seemed nauseating But it didn't reflect In the ratings Now
3: it's starting to mm, Yeah It's that old argument Of uh, fresh versus stale I mm.
4: numbers Is it just a case of Finally It's been too Repetitive For too long me, DQ finishes to the show. Exactly, over and over again, and we've got the compiler opposite on the other side. And it's mm-hmm. I
2: wonder, if we actually kind of like look at the timeline there, where it's like all those weeks of, 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 the, of the preemptions and, and, and all that oh, yeah. stuff, and then when they finally, you know, it's head to head again, and it was a tie, 4.2, like we saw before, and then when they actually tune in for that 4.2, it was, oh, it's still the end of the year, it's more of the same, nothing's changed. Yeah. And, and then the, the following week, it's it's far more people who actually get you. Know, we're, we're flipping back and forth anyway. They've they've made their choice.
3: I mean, as as much as we can rightly criticise Hogan for his antics and the fact that it's still Hogan doing the same bullshit that he's been doing for some time, the only one that's progressing in any sense, anything that's tangible, which we've seen in merchandise sales, and as we referenced from live crowd reactions, there is Goldberg. Yeah. Sonny showed up
2: six hours late for the television taping on June 2nd and was heavily fined. She's definitely in the doghouse. It's almost impossible for her to not look good, but she came as close as being able to not look good as possible for her to do at that taping. So, uh, don't worry, David. it'll get worse.
4: She's gone off the rails since Sean
2: hasn't been around. Oh, that must be it. She's keeping her on the straight and narrow. <laughs> That's what he calls it. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Farouk is also in the doghouse, as they did weigh into the oh, last God. tapings, and he was weighing more than they wanted him to, as was Vader, and both are clearly being booked in a manner to strongly encourage him to drop weight. Farouk isn't fat, though. Oh, he, he, was, he, was, he was chunky. He was chunky. Big and bro, that I match with the rock fat. fucking Bond. That was an awful, awful performance from Farouk. Uh, is this any way to run a business uh, department? Goldberg was on the cover of the entertainment pullout section of the Central Maine newspapers with a page-two story plugging his appearances at Bangor and Portland with an interview with him. He did appear in Bangor, but not at Portland for the TV taping, which explains why fans were so upset about him not being at the show. Then going to Knoxville this past week, the paper ran a big story about the show focusing on the Rick Steiner vs. Scott Steiner feud. And guess who wasn't on the show? The <laughs> Steiner brothers. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, although Time Magazine Online threw out 40,000 of Flair's votes for Man of the Century because they were fraudulent, Flair has moved back up to second place behind Mustafa Kamel Ataturk of Turkey. There's a competition between people from Turkey and pro wrestling fans from the US. <laughs> although the legal fees are adding up for Ric Flair, he's still getting paid on his $725,000 a year deal because if WCW stops paying him, it would be considered a breach and he can go to the WWF.
4: How did they decipher those 40,000 votes as fraudulent? I've no idea. All like, by Rick. <laughs> like, well, hold
0: on a sec, it, it does sound like a very stand-up kind of contest,
2: to be honest. Like, yes. It couldn't be
4: manipulated at all,
2: so. Steve Richards uh, was given a trout as a WWF colour commentator this week. It's kind of a bit of an odd one out of nowhere. Steve Richards, Richards. Colour commentator trout, Of course, nothing comes of it. And uh, DDP is heavily politicking to get into the wolf pack.
0: Oh, God of course he is because it's the number one
2: babyface
0: act in the company and clearly you can Sting just and see Luger
2: joined and, and Goldberg surpassed him so you can absolutely see why he's trying to jump yeah. on this and, and, he, and like I said he's trying to get in the main event it's it's a, it's a, it's a very big struggle with everyone buying <laughs> that top spot and, isn't and, and, it fascinating and
0: however ridiculous it is it's, 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 a, it's a smart move because that's just how the land's been lame I'm not saying it's
2: right but it's just that's just the way it is we move now to June 8th over on Raw uh, a big promo segment with DX, LOD and DOA which leads to a triple threat tag team match which ends in the Outlaws pinning each <laughs> other for the win <laughs> <laughs> thoughts on this
3: <laughs> why are DOA still employed?
2: <laughs> got me what stupid baby faces
4: yeah they <laughs> was running the ring like idiots late. <laughs> JR, JR tries to save it and by, by the way JR in this period is absolutely wonderful oh he's on fire isn't <laughs> yes, he yeah and he's like, oh, well, it was a brilliant move by the LOD and DOA to orchestrate the outlaws in the ring together, but I guess they outsmarted him <laughs> like, No shit, JR. <laughs> they
3: sure did, Jim.
4: They're moonwalking at the ramp with
3: their belts. You can tell, it's sort of, imagine the cogs turning JR's mind. It's kind of like, well, I don't really want to put over the sort of heelish act here, but there's not really much else I can do. <laughs>
2: yeah so the main theme of this show is that you're going to take it interrupts several matches and lays out um. pretty much all the mid-carders this is one of those ones that you'll actually see this several times up the course of this time this is a Russo special if ever I've seen one
0: it's, like giant. it's just uh, the, the, the the funny thing I thought in the show was just uh 'cause because they, they start the show off with the day of that announcing that um, Junkyard Dog has died has died so they kind of do this kind of like serious just like oh you know bad news has just happened and then start to immediately move into the Vince McMahon award ceremony the humanitarian well, at the, at the of the <laughs> year humanitarian <laughs> of the year they, they, they announced obviously for, for it to be in the main event and so on this entire segment just to go from something so like serious and real to something
2: so <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> <Just in Las laughs> we Indy. have two announcements the junkyard dog is dead and this man is the humanitarian of yeah. the year one is bullshit and one is real can you guess which one's which
3: and none of it should surprise anyone because it, we'd already seen the treatment of Louis Spicoli's death exactly. Th- there is a war going on you know deaths be damned
2: uh, of course we get to that segment the humanitarian of the year Austin comes out in black tie <laughs> oh, I've just got to say it the 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 music to start off
3: with as well <laughs> it's all it's so wonderful
2: yeah they've really nailed this ridiculous Vince character have made in this oh, period yeah. of time Austin comes out it's a black tie affair and he comes out in just the black tie (laughs) in his regular gear the dignitaries all bury Vince one at a time and praise Steve Austin Uh, the Undertaker's music plays and Druids bring a casket to the ring but it wound up with Kane coming out the casket and Mankind coming from the other side of the ring Uh, the show ends with Austin in the casket and Kane standing on top to close so again heat on Austin here as they uh, prep Kane for King of the Ring it's protective heat isn't Mm -hmm. he's he's jumped two on one
4: Kane and Mankind and it was uh, was good stuff and Kane really reaching his
2: what is it, yeah his apex Oh, tell totally you it is his peak here this, it, would, it would never get really better than this, this this, few months stretch for Kane no it wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> over on Nitro that same night it's mainly a talk show there's seven matches in three hours and Hulk Hogan gets seven interview segments throughout fuck this yeah, show Hogan Robin and Bischoff do an interview to start the show then the Wolfpack come out for an interview uh, Nash says that DDP has to make a choice and hints that Randy Savage is the only one who doesn't want him in the Wolfpack so again <laughs> DDP is the only uh, is the main thread of this show whether he's going to join the Wolfpack or not
3: do we give them credit for storyline yeah, consistency yeah, yeah,
2: at least
0: it's yeah. that's, 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 that's kind of like chucking at just the fact that they automatically oh we, we want you to join but one guy doesn't Savage you know, doesn't? but then I was kind of like what and then I thought no actually yeah Course. story consistency he, he still fucking hates him obviously Nash
2: even brings up the fact that it's Scott Hall gets the diamond cutter all those months ago when, when DDP first got hot and says I understand why you didn't join back then now in hindsight but now you've got a home with the wolf pack if you want it Chris Jericho reads a letter from Ted Turner <laughs> this on this show is, this is a great this segment is, it's awesome so basically what happens is Chris <laughs> Jericho's reading the letter from Ted and uh, who, who mentions by the way Jane Fonda says hi my wife <laughs> and talks about how it was a disgusting turn of events at the last pay-per-view but since you were irritating whiner uh, I'm going to let this one slide and Jericho who obviously is so proud when he starts reading the letter is, is, I guess he's reading the letter for the first time <laughs> yeah. is, is the, and then obviously as the letter devolves and Shivani Skiavo is over his shoulder just looking at the letter he it's, couldn't give a shit his arms are crossed <laughs> he's so unamused <laughs> yeah. he thinks it's bullshit until of course he reads that you know you're an irritating crybaby so the decision stands and Jericho starts crying and wiping his tears with the
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just that great thing of just like Sh- Shivani just seems so like he doesn't give a shit because he just knows this is all bullshit he doesn't like Jericho and the politics he's been, well the lack of politics he's been trying to play and he's just standing there with his arms crossed holding the mic to him and he's just reading this like this, this, this ridiculous letter yeah. this really long letter yeah. about I enjoy
2: uh, fishing in Canada <laughs> yeah,
0: all, all this stuff like all, yeah all this stuff and then just slowly there's like the screws turning in this in this letter and Jericho's face goes a little bit more serious And a little bit more whiny, and Shivani's just like leaning a little bit more in, going, Oh, this is interesting now. He goes, No, carry on reading. No, this is good. You know, like trying to finish off some of the sentences for him because Jericho gets choked up. Yeah, what he's reading is fucking
2: brilliant. By the end, he's like standing looking around with his his face contorted, (laughs) and he's just saying, What about Jane? (laughs) Savage and Piper have do a fucking awful promo with Hogan and Bischoff in the bleachers oh, God. which ends with Eric Bischoff French kissing Elizabeth uh, who has now joined oh. Hogan's side also with no explanation whatsoever Savage responds saying he was over Liz anyway which is just fucking great Lust Hogan yeah Lust Hogan Uh, Benoit and Booker in match 6 of uh, the best of 7 series is fairly quick but a good match and Goldberg fucking annihilates Chavo Guerrero, one of my favourite squashes from this period of time win number 99 for Goldberg as uh, as Great American Bash is around the corner Uh, the main event segment is DDB having to make a decision about who's going to join the Wolf Pack and just as he's about to join pretty much, Hogan and Robin waste him with steel chairs on the ramp Rodman's swinging a chair Robin's just all over the again Hogan Rodman Bischoff all over this show like I said seven segments with them backstage with, the, with the, the girl flunkies and uh, this is Hogan Overkill
0: you know making matters worse he's dragging his shit along with him with fucking Rodman
3: hey, uh, Rodman helped get the balls to a title that year <laughs> watch what you say damn it uh, well, well, before, you know,
2: before, but on that subject the big story here was Dennis Rodman blew off practice to appear on this Nitro even though they're in the middle of the NBA playoffs (laughs) Rodman apparently Rodman phoned coach Phil Jackson and a trainer just before practice was scheduled to start on Monday and told him he couldn't make it when they asked him what his excuse was he just simply hung up the phone (laughs) it wasn't until later that day that the Bulls and the rest of the sports world realised that he'd left to appear on Nitro it was either the first or second lead story on virtually every sports report with most of the biggies airing Nitro footage with Rodman with the win and doing the angle hitting page with a chair and running down wrestling in the process in the news reports uh, Rodman was fined 10 grand by the league and an undisclosed sum by the Chicago Bulls for missing the practice
3: really we're talking about practice <laughs> uh, yeah
0: yeah there's that there's that reminds me though there's that scene backstage where Hogan and Rodman I, I believe Brett as well all sat there basically lounging on women yeah Hogan doesn't even know how to use his own deck for Christ's sake you know so it's not like <laughs> it's like believable that you can chat these women up Rodman's like, well, whatever. Rodman's done. Brett just seems so uncomfortable with
2: the situation. (laughs) Oh come on, come on! Have you read? You've read Brett's book, exactly. I do. I do love that beefcake's there as well, but he has to stand up. (laughs) He's not allowed a seat. Ratings for Raw and Nitro here, head to head. Raw does a 4.3 to Nitro's 4.1. Raw, its best rating for the show at the end, largely by holding Steve Austin off uh, for the most part until the final segment, that Humanitarian of the Year award, Uh, and that final segment does a 4.8 to Nitro's 3.9. Uh, for the segment to answer the burning question that nobody cared about, which was whether DDP would join the <laughs> Wolf back. WCW, however, did win one quarter hour, which was the sixth match of the Benoit Booker series. But uh, we'll see if that plays into anything you in the see next how they few months. That one up yeah. <coughs> This is a good one. Rey Mysterio Jr. was at Nitro and was supposed to do an angle returning from his knee injury. They even plugged his return on WCW Saturday night. But with Hogan needing eight segments for himself, there was no time. There was heat on Mysterio because somebody in the office read the Wrestling Observer newsletter and saw the name Rey Mysterio in the Tijuana notes and didn't realise it was his uncle and not Rey Mysterio Jr. and wanted him back in the ring if he was wrestling elsewhere. <laughs> Fucking brilliant. <laughs> a crack staff. <laughs> Adams is out of action with a back injury. One of those deals where he's supposed to wrestle Goldberg on Nitro. No. A pattern is developing
3: here. Yeah. Brian Adams is too good to do the job for Goldberg. Oh, you
2: remember on the last time when we were talking about he, he refused to sell for flare. Like, this, this, this what fucking a piece guy, of shit. This fucking guy. I have no idea how he got is this clip. How did this happen? I have no idea. They must have thought they got this it's huge coup by Simon Crush. Also I'm,
3: crush. I'm, I'm amazed at the fact that he somehow agreed to have Kane bury him on the way out of the company. At this rate, yeah. I know. Uh,
2: yeah. WCW is having settlement talks later this week with Ric Flair trying to get him to return for the July 6th Georgia Dome show and to reform the Four Horsemen with himself, Benoit Goldberg and one other person with double A in the old J.J. Dillon role. So another incarnation of the Horsemen that wouldn't come to pass. Uh, as if there haven't been enough turns already. This this is a good one here. This goes to exemplify just how fucking stupid WCW was at the time. <laughs> Aside from Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude going back to the Hogan camp, which looks like a sure thing, there's also a lot of talk about Savage going to Hogan's side and Scott Hall, when he comes back, going back to Nash's side. Oh, God. It's good to see how much long-term thinking goes into these weekly turns. Someone's got a turn, though. Someone's got a turn. As long as <laughs> someone turns. <who laughs> does, 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 but isn't this just like that bit of news right there? to me sums up this entire two month period it's
3: symptomatic of the of the company at large outside of Sting Hogan this company hasn't done any long term booking for an absolute age
2: might be anything that. Well, again, Absolutely. they're claiming it's going to be Bret and Hogan, but that doesn't even come to pass. Yeah. This is just that. This is the period where everything, every plan they have, it's just like every week, what the fuck can we do to, to, to get those numbers back? It, it was ever, it was ever
3: since that 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 win from Raw. And, and it's why they, where they they talk about Helwig in, in the manner they do. Yeah, you know, We might bring him in this week, but if the ratings are fine, we won't. We, you know, and I dare say we will eventually get to that July sixth um, show down the line. But that is the, the sort of the, the clearest example for me. Of pissing away pay-per-view money. No wrestling company would think along those lines, but they clear—they you know their emphasis is always TV, always ratings, and very rarely do you hear them talk about the financial bottom line.
4: They've just been planning for Goldberg to get the title in the big spectacular, st- Starcade or something, it's already. So um, there's no intention of that. So.
3: No. And, and you know, as, as much as we can joke about the DOA on the undercard, which show. As much of a joke as they are, they are hideous. That's a fact. But <laughs> but they might be in TNA soon. <laughs> yeah. But but at least we you know we see that laser focus with Austin and Vince, and it's you know there's a clear direction. They've thought things through. But
2: like I said, they've only got their SummerSlam main event in May. Yeah. So what does that fucking tell you?
3: And they're protect as as Kieran pointed out several times, that the way in which they get heat on Austin, it's all very protected because they don't want to weaken him in any way.
2: They have their IC match as well. They haven't. and yeah. Triple H. They started that too. The Nation yep. DX intermingling has already started. Uh, we've been told this week, says Dave Meltzer, that Hogan has finally signed his WCW contract. Oh God, which is just again that's been six months though, and don't you think that the timing there is curious? Just when it looks like the signs of Hogan's ratings, yeah, yeah. now he's going to sign. That's just fucking classic Hogan right there. Uh, they are hoping to debut Steven Regal on Raw on June 29th but at press time he hasn't fully recovered from pneumonia so this may be pushed back there is serious consideration being given to using Vincent Mann as a manager for Regal and Dr. Death as if he's bringing in two shooters to beat Austin for the title to give both guys instant steam so interesting idea there Mm. don't know how that would have played out what do you think? Don't know if he's man enough to beat uh, <laughs> Steve Austin, to be honest with you. The latest on Jim Helwig is that the current plan is to debut in August or September, depending on the rating. <laughs> <laughs> All kinds of rumours are flying around about how much he's going to be able to make, uh, but the most reliable sources have it as 36 to 38 days for $1 million. What? No that should do wonders for morale as the betting line is after the third week he'll be bloody useless <laughs> not even in 1990 fucking 36 days of work for a million dollars good work if you can get it <laughs> sure is yeah, Brock Lesnar yeah, laughs okay. in the face of that yeah. contract
3: yeah. yeah Brock
4: Lesnar would wipe
2: his arse June 13th Salt Lake City Tribune reports that Cole Malone will be the one doing bash at the beach and mainstream pub follows since the balls and the Utah Jazz finals have just wrapped up if WCW can put this together and they are seriously working on it It will be announced on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno sometime this week, if they can get Malone booked on the show. And the mention of Leno there is a horrifying precursor of things to come. (laughs) At a June 13th house show, Goldberg beat Sting in three minutes. Uh, The match took place as a last-minute idea, largely approved by Sting to save the show, when Sting's scheduled opponent, the Giant, no-showed the main event. Giant's plane at Buffalo was cancelled. Actually, he was booked on an earlier flight, but changed it to a later flight, and there's a lot of heat on him missing the show, being that even when the flight was cancelled, he was only a two and a half hour drive away, and he didn't do it. <laughs>
4: well, you're talking about why Brian Adams is fucking thinking he's the shit now.
2: It's this company, he can get away with it. Yeah, shit like this. Yeah, there were so many no-shows and fucking advertising people who aren't going to be there anyway. It's like, this is just a fucking... Yeah. Doing nitros for one hour with no reason as to why. It's like, what a fucking mess and, this is.
3: And Giant has first-hand experience at this with the way that Nash would just pick and choose and, you know... Exactly! this The random ailments that he would come down with. And he's seen there. There's no repercussions for any of this behaviour. So, uh, why not jump on board? Uh, we move to June 14th. It's the WCW Great American Bash. But before we get to the show itself,
2: backstage before the show, as Hart... Hogan, Piper and Savage were going over their match, Eric Bischoff and JJ Dillon came in and called Hart away from the group and gave him a note that basically said they'd just gotten word that his father Stu had passed away. Bischoff told Hart that he didn't have to do the match and he chartered him a flight back home immediately and any wrestler on the card who was close with him could leave as well. Apparently somebody, and the police locally are currently working on finding out who, called and claimed to be Bruce Hart and gave very specific details about things only an insider would know. About 10-15 to minutes later, after Dylan had called Stu's house and found out that he was in fact alive and well, uh, he told Brett that Stu was fine. Bischoff felt horrible and apologised heavily. When Hogan, Piper and especially Savage found out what went down, they were furious. Uh, based on how anyone could do something like that as a practical joke and obviously try to ruin the show.
0: Now, they said they were imitating Bruce Hart. Was it Bruce Hart? <laughs> <laughs> it might, who knows. Was what if, it Bruce
2: Hart? <laughs> did, does anybody put this past the WWF at this point in time, though? After everything they've done? Oh, oh. <laughs> well, what do you make of that story? Oh,
0: that's Jesus. fucking insane. So, so, so who did you say called up to find out that he's actually still alive?
2: Uh, J.J. It, Dillon
0: J.J. Dillon so so. why why did it even go through that whole procedure shouldn't it <laughs> so like like so basically like okay Brett we've got some bad news we just heard on the grapevine through Carrier Pigeon that your dad's died no no like it's, it it's Bruce. from Bruce. they thought Bruce Hart well, called him to yeah. say
3: if you're any sort of human being worth his salt really your first instinct isn't going to be well this is bullshit yeah. is it
4: yeah. you know. call. You would think you'd call your family I would around, imagine yeah. you'd call the family you, you, but you then again, yeah. the first yeah. thing yes. you would
3: do is yes. call we, the family yeah. Yeah. what the fuck's we, going on we say that we're all sat here rationally processing it if someone just walks in walks in now and, and says to you know Bursa as we're recording this podcast Carl you, you know your mum's dead God forbid my first thought isn't going to be get on the blower my first thought is get in the car and go
2: yeah it was weird. Yeah, what? What a weird story. Anyway, yeah. so obviously this, uh, this all turns out to be a so scam. So he's saying insider. So we're thinking it's Dave Meltzer. It might have been Dave. I'm just doing a stew impression. I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, you know. What,
0: what <laughs> <laughs> it would have been one of those classic Kurt Henning gags that probably went a little too far. Who knows? Because apparently he could do a pretty good uh, stew uh, yeah. impression.
2: Nah,
3: no, my money's on Bruce Pritchard.
2: Yeah, probably, I, I've got be, Yeah, it would be. Honestly, if I had to bet on anybody, I'd say it's probably Bruce Pritchard. Yeah. So anyway, the Great American Bash, June 14th. It has 12,810 fans selling out the building. A 0.75 buy rate for 260,000 buys. Your typical Sunday afternoon WCW event, says Dave Meltzer, complete with Chris Benoit losing again. Hulk Hogan and his friends stinking up the joint again. Some real good wrestling and some mind-blowing booking. Uh, For Benoit, this is the fifth straight loss on pay-per-view in seven of his last eight matches, so that's the, uh, the Benoit tally. Uh, Sting versus the Giant is the main event on this show. In the end, a completely yep. flat main event match. W- will
0: title match is it? No, of course no, not. No, no. It's
2: it's for the t- basically because both of them hold one tag belt. The idea yeah. is the winner gets both tag belts and he gets to pick his own partner going forward. But wait, they don't care about the tag belts. Well, <laughs> who knows?
3: I, I don't. I don't think they do really care about the tag belts. It's not really about the tag belts. It's just the individuals involved. Yeah. But more to the point, the, the well, not necessarily more to the point, but the pressing number again. What was that buy rate again? 0.75 I drew over the edge Sure did yeah. uh, Again the, the, the main attraction on this show
2: Was uh, Hogan and Hart versus Piper and Savage But there's one thing <laughs> I wanted to mention for anybody who's seen this show You're probably not going to say When sa- uh, savage, savage is coming out And the, the fucking morons in W C production Cut to a sign in the crowd That says Hogan and Hart versus Piper and Savage Welcome to Jurassic Park <laughs> And they fucking zoom in on this sign. They cut to the sign. They zoom in on the sign. It's like, what on earth are you? What message does that <laughs> yeah, send you, yeah, idiots? They'll probably like, oh, film reference. Get it on camera. Yeah. We're relevant Pop culture. Pop culture from '93. Fuck's sake. Awful. Um, Benoit losing pretty much uh, killed the audience here, and only Goldberg got them back into it. Uh, the answer to W Series problems is relatively easy, and initially will be painful. The old guard needs to pass the torch to the new guard it's that simple (laughs) Um, Goldberg's 100th win is on this show against Conan uh, but WCW simply stopped counting when Goldberg hit 99 despite him wrestling five matches since then
4: they add numbers when he's not wrestling yeah and don't count when he does (laughs) maybe they're just trying to get it back in the line they're actually trying to balance it out yeah yeah yeah
2: Kurt Hennig was unhappy because the heat for him was to be the guy who screwed Goldberg on his 100th win and he had major words with Eric Bischoff regarding this uh, and his promo on Thunder being cancelled a few days earlier. Kevin Nash was very unhappy that Goldberg won here and didn't lose uh, due to Kurt Hennig because it was his idea that was scrapped. (laughs) Kevin Nash lobbied for for Hennig to cost Goldberg on a match 100. Of course That's what ends that, up happening?
0: That, ha- that was against Conan It was right? against
2: Conan In the end and because of Conan to beat Gold- Goldberg Because of Hennig Of course what happens Instead is that Hennig turns heel Joins interview Hollywood And attacks Conan After the match Another Who the fuck th- Thought that was a good idea For Goldberg to lose to Conan <laughs> Another That's- turn Another turn <laughs> Another turn um, Yeah
3: And um, bear in mind Who else in the company Would probably be opposed To that uh, Bearing in mind What he's proposed For the Georgia Dome
2: Yes Big T. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: Go to the next night, June 15th, on Nitro. We're in New York here. We get to start with a good match, actually, with Benoit and Finlay, I should add. <coughs> uh, Benoit gets the win, and Booker T comes out and shows some respect to Booker T. With Stevie Ray coming out and attacking Benoit, with Steve Mongo McMichael making the save. Hey. Uh, we get a weird <sighs> deal here, though, where you have Benoit on the mic saying he's not about black or white, or red and black, he's about this, and holds up four fingers... And it gets a We Want Flair chance. And <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. Flair isn't with the company at the time. <laughs> Whose idea was that? I have no idea. It's got, it's got to
3: be Bischoff's. Yeah. Oh, 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 so yeah. Well, Ben Mars' not going to do it. Mm. I dare say, you know, he didn't come up with the idea.
2: It, it, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> and Tom to do it, hoping to get fired, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. It's just this weird
0: thing. like <clears> they, <throat> they do the instant action, if I remember right. As you said, like they don't even do the intros or the pyro. It just goes straight into like the first match. And then right after they they literally do a run of four promos four <laughs> ring in ring promos. you just mentioned a Benoit one they do a savage one is pretty humorous. Uh, a DDP one uh, mentioning um, uh, obviously about the previous events and, and a Piper one. They're just all like back to back. Probably they taken up about like twenty minutes. Yeah. Pretty, pretty funny Piper line as well, which we and it says some line along the lines of M- "Move the fridge into the front room, Grandma. Get set to sweat." <laughs> uh, Something like that. Just these random like bloody Piper. It's like this. It's along the lines of you know coming into kick ass and chew bubble gum. It's just like where the fuck does he get this stuff yeah. from?
2: But it, I want to use it. Yeah. The giant comes out on this uh, show, comes to the ring smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and choke slams Chris Adams and wins in 44 seconds without the cigarette leaving his mouth. So I guess that's the
0: punishment for to not turning up to that house show. It.
4: That's Completely down the line, like years, year. I guess he never got the memo about WWF's weight policy. No, no, he yeah. didn't at
3: all. This is especially this again, during this period. Yeah. This is
2: the extension. This it's this end of your run, man. When he, get, I mean, he was getting bigger anyway since the start of this year. He was gaining weight but fuck me
3: it, the laziness really yeah. creeps in here. extra portions of pizza and milk
2: <laughs> absolutely
0: oh what are you on about he's smoking he's, he's trying to lose weight oh clearly it's, uh, it's working <laughs> too. That, was, that was
4: it was a hunger suppressant yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice
2: Sting announces Kevin Nash as his co-tag team champion and together they beat Harlem Heat on this show uh, mm. Steve Ray takes the pinfall Rightfully so. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Damn right. Um, and the main event is Diamond Dallas Page versus Randy Savage in a steel cage. Obviously, this is Savage alluding to the fact that uh, DDP needs to beat him to get into the Wolfpack. Yeah. This is a fucking mess. This ends up with, like, Piper just basically beat you, attacking them both. both. Them. It's yeah. like a triple threat match in the cage with Piper supposed to be the referee. NWO uh, races the cage and destroys all three. Uh, Savage gets his knee injured by Bischoff to set up his undergoing reconstructive knee surgery that he's been needing for some time. Uh, of course, the uh, Wolfpack finally gets the controls, raids the cage and yeah. uh, get in there and of course anyway Hollywood just clears out to end the yeah, show so
4: up. so it was a no contest though. no
2: contest go, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, over on Raw that night Sable returns obviously she'd been beaten by Mark Merrow and had to leave the WWF forever <laughs> she's back this week after two weeks off uh, again they tease a bit of an association with Vincent Mann here as Vince gets her to read off a uh, statement ridiculous. <laughs> uh, more, more ridiculous Vince behaviour here but it's pretty good Steve Austin comes out and of course as you mentioned there Kieran uh, helps Sable out the ring a gentleman, like a gentleman, he does
4: like his blondes. He does like his
2: blondes. Vince backs off and says that it was the Undertaker that set up last week's <laughs> attack. Austin is kind of listening, but doesn't really know what to make of it. Bear comes out and confirms that it was, in fact, the Undertaker's master plan. Cahoots! I tell you, cahoots! They're uh, they're starting the tease here that Taker's behind this. Yeah,
4: they get the uh, Austin's giving this up like this is full, you're full of shit, Vince. I'm buying it. And then Bear comes out. And Bear, I think this is the time he, he drops the first line about you're, you're on the rampway to the highway to hell. That's the yeah. one before the, uh, some of them had even
2: been announced as a highway trail I think that's the next week things are being said a period sexy stuff sexy stuff the main event of this show is advertised as a tag team Hell in a Cell match Austin and Taker versus Kane and Mankind uh, but also on the show X-Pac has his first match in the WWF uh, under that name against Triple H in a King of the Ring qualifier which uh, ends up with Rock distracting Triple H from the crowd and Owen Hart costing X-Pac uh, by crotching him on the guardrail uh, so that's the end of uh, X-Pac's Hope for King of the Ring this year. Al Snow, dressed as Avatar, does an interview with Jerry Lawler <laughs> blaming Vincent Man for his previous bad gimmicks and absolutely fucking nobody cares about this. This no. is
3: an awful segment. No one gives a shit and most people in the crowd probably didn't even remember that he was Avatar.
2: Jerry Lawler gets attacked obviously he gets the he gets head I suppose is the, the big joke there. Yeah. We get a tag team Royal Rumble which Kane and Mankind enter and win. Obviously this is to get a tag team tart shot against the Outlaws in the future. Uh, very... Odd match this was. Every thirty was seconds, it? tag teams yeah. entering. You get, Kane no. and Mankind doesn't appear in this match first. Talk about a motley crew yeah, of guys I mean, in this I match. I'm to say, dubious the, tag teams
3: ending with the elimination of Funk and Scorpio for the win. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: it's in Texas this show, which is why. But uh,
0: I, I, I was trying to think of a, of a match during this time period that was just more blatantly obvious who was winning. Just like as soon as, as you said, like Mankind and Kane came out, it was like, okay, they're going over. Well, I'll, 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 I'll one, be honest. There, I'll there was be no honest. No one else in that. World
3: Rumble. I know it's not quite in, in the frame of this timeline but at no point did I think Dustin was getting the Duke over Austin for the world title <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Kane and Mankind do in fact win
2: the match uh, a spectacular finish though however to the show is the tag team Helena Selch of course does not come off but uh, Undertaker destroys Paul Bearer inside Helena Cell, which is Lock- Bearer locks himself in the cage Taker comes from underneath the ring beats the fuck out of Bearer Bearer juices for this which oh, is just yeah. great looks awesome he's doing his, his ridiculous facial expressions uh, at the same time Austin Mankind a brawling Kane climbs to the top mm. of the cell to get in to try and get to take her. Why well, he didn't rip the door off at chinders like he did the first time, I, I don't know. But uh, Austin then goes up to the top of the cage to fight Kane, which is just a, a red hot end to uh, a very good show. Well,
4: obviously, Liam,
2: Kane didn't
4: have the instruction of Bear to tell him to rip the door off.
2: Mm. So he's a wild man on his own exactly, not able to yeah. come up with this. What was,
4: was that a logic bomb? or it, That was in fact a, a covert logic bomb.
2: How fucking unsafe did that cell look when Austin came oh, on top of it? Oh, That's god. scary. It's horrible. That's scary. <laughs> that
3: poor Mick and the chair shot he took down there. Oh god
2: yeah. That was unnecessary.
3: <laughs> it just makes you thinking about it now it just makes you wince doesn't it? How, how, many chair shots?
2: how many chair shots to the head does he take during this? During the summer of 98 <laughs> I it's awful we should do a tally actually on how many he takes don't blame the rock (laughs) how both companies head to head had cages with tops on them on the same uh, night is one of life's great mysteries but clearly it was no coincidence one company found out what the other was doing and decided to copy we do know that Dusty Rhodes who has largely been writing the television for the past three weeks and he's subject to a lot of finger pointing given the ratings results uh, was the one who ordered the cage for Nassau Coliseum and it was largely a secret from even the bookers and the rest of the production crew that didn't find out that the cage was set up until the day of Nitro
4: given that they were doing King of the Ring they to tease Hell in
2: the Cell, you'd think the WF would be doing it on anyway, the back anyway yeah. Yeah, so WCW is clear the copycats here, if, if anybody so, yeah. is. Roar did a 4.3 to Nitro's 4.0, so again, keeping with the pattern, Roar gets the win. The current plan, obviously in uh, response to Benoit holding up the four fingers, is for Benoit, McMichael, Malenko, and Finley to be the four horsemen if, <sighs> if Flair doesn't come back. Malenko is really complaining about it and doesn't want to do it unless he's going to have a major speaking role. <laughs> Oh, that pot from Slam has gone to his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on June 17th, in a quick note, DDP and Carmelone Malone do in fact appear on this night show to announce the magic bash at the beach. Uh, on June 19th, Steve Austin is hospitalized due to a staph infection in his right elbow, which resulted in a high fever, set to peak at 104 degrees, and he's hooked up to an IV and remained hospitalized at least through Monday so uh, Steve Austin has gotten sick here and obviously if you watch King of the Ring he's got an enormous elbow pad
3: oh huge
2: yeah so he, uh, he has no business really being in the ring but he's got, he's got a motor on in that man and he's not missing dates uh, we move to Raw uh, June 22nd the go home show for King of the Ring Kane speaks for the first time uh, of course with the aid of the voice box the mm. Stephen Hawking special uh, and vows to set himself on fire if he loses to Steve Austin at the pay-per-view on Sunday that's like wacky stipulation here
0: yes I, I don't know I don't know what was more weird just the whole voice box thing or just just saying that he'd set himself on fire I, I stipulate it's a bit I unnecessary had, isn't it <laughs> I, had,
3: I had no problem with the, the voice box side of it whatsoever oh, that's it's, it's cool, supposed to be actually. mangled it's, and disfigured yes. it makes makes perfect sense this but... is
4: probably a Russo one well given yeah. uh, not credit because I will never do that but he thought it's like oh it's a little bit Darth Vader isn't it give a little bit of a voice box yeah yeah mm monster in a mask was it this week or the next week when Kane loses his shit and he's got got the voice box to his his throwing in the locker room Is he's just going that's, nah. That's, nah. That's,
3: that's I think it's this week it's this, it's, it's this week because he, he goes he, he loses his oh, shit oh is oh, yes, yes, at home yes, and take that's a right
2: is yes. Be- at home take a beach the fuck out of him and cracks a bone in his own ankle du- filming this by dropping like a, a TV or something on his own foot right <laughs> completely ridiculous Bears' ankle is also injured when more furniture lands on his foot so this is a, a very well filmed thing here uh, speaking of injuries Edge debuts and lays out oh. Jose Estrada oh. uh, with a somersault
3: yeah. punch. To the neck, end of the match. Watching, but you you look and think it's got the hallmarks of the of the Bagwell situation. Yeah, you know, it, obviously it's not a bulldog. It's a different move, but it's it's eerily reminiscent the way you sort of just see the neck and head sort of slightly compress and just a complete collapse mm-hmm. and no sound he's still on TV
4: isn't he he's seen in the crowd a lot
3: yeah but he doesn't wrestle for yeah. a long time but yeah he's kind of just in the crowd
2: watching lurking if you will not really <laughs> but, doing a whole hell of a lot yeah. Kane freaks out voice box whining yeah. I don't know why he needs to know, yeah. Man, he
3: mankind's move. trying to calm him yeah. down yeah. yeah. also
2: on the show however Rocky Maivia pins Triple H with of all things a fisherman suplex this is this is
4: like DX Job Week or something I yeah think. yeah because both Outlaws lose as well
3: yep they do indeed he gets the low blow in beforehand doesn't he which is for 1998 equate wrestling low blow to schoolboy roll up in Mm. the year 2016
2: (laughs) And again at the end of the show Steve Austin challenges Kane to come out Wearing a very nicely uh, Very, very well timed <laughs> White jersey 316 jersey And of course Blood rains from the uh, top of the building And Kane says that On Sunday The blood on you will be for real uh, nice... First blood match Obviously If you haven't mentioned that before Yeah
4: which By the way How's Kane going to bleed Anyway Well that's, that's the, the yeah, idea yeah, isn't so. it I know But um, yeah it's great visual At the end of the show Of Austin dripping Covered in blood And yeah. it's like you get Flashbacks to the uh, the heart match And it's just, just real It's good stuff yeah, Kind big... of wacky and stupid But it's a good visual
2: they do and they show a great video I think on this show it's at King of the Ring where it says where Austin says the line I bled before I'm not afraid to bleed again Mm. and it shows obviously over the edge as well where he just bled against Dude Love as well Mm. so uh, nice tie in there over on Nitro same night on TNT a DDP interview to build up the Carmelo and tag match at Bash at the Beach they pipe in Goldberg Mm. Chance, during uh, his match with Rick Fuller and ever since the uh, forgery of the 99 and 100, there are no signs for the streak number anymore. Uh, in perhaps the worst match of the year, Steve McMichael beats Stevie Ray in nine minutes and twenty-nine Jesus. of the most fucking agonising seconds who, of this timeline that I've watched. Who
3: the fuck <coughs> thought it was a good idea to let those two go nine minutes? What the
2: fuck did they do for nine minutes? I, 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 I actually I did a write-up on the UK fan forum about this match this week just because I had to vent and I didn't want to say it oh, all on this show. The third best move in the match is the lock-up. I'm not even exaggerating, everything you expect it would be going in, and, and a little bit more as well. Um, however, on the flip side, Bret Hart beats Chris Benoit in a very yeah, good match.
0: Great match this was, a uh, little, uh, little hidden
2: one there. Forgotten little match here, very good stuff. Kevin Green is a, a prominent player on this show, they teased it's going to be him yeah. versus the Giant in Guess the main bring him event. He's out randomly. He hasn't been there for weeks, yeah. just appears. Here he is, Kevin Green. Well, where, um, where was
3: the show? Was there at least a, a tie-in in that sense? No, it was Jacksonville, if I remember correctly.
2: He, he literally just returns
0: in the opener of the show well, to have a match, could, and then it's just gone. like he's he's been gone for like ages, as far Christ as I'm concerned. Bad. And um, and suddenly just I'm thrown into the main, main event with a giant. Yeah, and, and 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 even then he, they're, like they're building up for it all through the night. They do a backstage skit where like you know a bunch of people holding um. Um, Kevin Green back And you end up Holding Giant back And like Dylan makes The
2: match and so on You're thinking Okay they're building Something Yeah well it's Green Versus the Giant Anybody want to guess What the finish is Thank you Yes you win the prize NWO Hollywood runs in And of course here yeah, This is the first time Goldberg appears With the NWO uh, Hollywood Jumps over as a double spear on, uh, on a couple of the flunkies And uh, everybody else bails As Goldberg's yeah. in Screaming for someone To do a run in Is that because he's, he's got like Football love or something uh, yeah, well, they, yeah They do They're they, on the same team Yeah Gr- Green and Goldberg Are a, a team I believe At Bash at the Beach Aren't they So it's a bit of a tie in here They're starting a Goldberg Giant feud as well here um, as a 4.3 to Nitro's 4.1. So, uh, that's again, the pattern's there. 4.3 to 4.0 and 4.1 over the last couple of weeks. Bobby Walker filed a $5 million racial discrimination lawsuit against WCW. Walker claimed he was told that he was hired by WCW as a token black and scripted to lose all of his matches. In the lawsuit, Walker pointed out that he earned a lot less money than white performers, citing what Ric Flair earned. <laughs> On June 26th, Sunny was given an ultimatum by the company to either attend rehab or be fired, and she accepted the rehab. So uh, that's your federally mandated Sunny update for the week. (laughs) There is pressure being put on Vader, Jose Estrada, Farouk, Steve Williams, Dustin Rhodes, and Mark Henry to drop weight. So it's a recurring theme here. Uh, We move to that Sunday, June 28th, WWF King of the Ring 17,087 fans sell out. Pittsburgh, A 0.85 buy rate for 295,000 buys, the biggest buy rate of this two-month period for either side. Kane wins the World Wrestling Federation Championship after The Undertaker accidentally hits Steve Austin with a steel chair. What were your thoughts, Carl, when this happened? Live at the time, I'm keen to know. Inquiring
3: minds want to know. Suckers got to know. (laughs) Um, My sort of Kane hatred, if you like, wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't really there at, at at this point in time but I I was absolutely distraught that Steve had lost the boat I was crestfallen <laughs> I was heartbroken uh, even more so when you just saw Vince up in the skybox with Sable next to him pulling another one of his great faces got that rice sort of almost a, a sense of relief he sort of exhales and that rice smile and you think, Son of a bitch! <laughs> Austin's been screwed, and it's not even Kane who did it.
4: The <laughs> you know, that's the thing, isn't it? It's like you go Max Protect on on your top. Oh, absolutely! Up. It's like it's first blood. We know Austin's got his soft tissue issues, scar tissue, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even Kane who does it. It's Taker, and it's like, and I think the fact that they he gets it back the next night. Spoiler, sorry. No. Um it's like. It's all good. It's just it's just it's just a little bump in the road that is leading to a bigger picture. Yes, uh, and the fact that it's one night, it's not even like twenty four hours.
3: Yeah, and, and normally I'd I'd be greatly opposed to sort of a hotshot title change like that, but. In the sense of you you've got to have you've gotta have some bumps in the road for your baby face. So you, even if you protect him, you've got to have some instances where he doesn't come out on top, even if it's just fleeting, just to, you know, keep that empathy there, if you like. If anyone's seen on the on the Coliseum home video release afterwards, oh, yeah. where it shows a little bit afterwards and the, the crowd are just uh, molten's not the right word. They're not sort of ape but it's just loud, thunderous bullshit chants. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh man, they yeah, they're furious. They're they livid. How do they quell it? They send out fucking Mick Foley, who has had a long we'll night, barely folks. fucking walk. To, to get more shit kicked out of him. <laughs> of course, this is Hell in a Cell, Undertaker Mick Foley. This
3: really wasn't a good night for my boys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it really wasn't. I don't know if anybody really wants to chime in with anything here about Hell in a Cell, but again, Kieran, Whoa. live watching at the time, terrifying.
4: Yeah, like... I don't know, is it notorious this match or yeah. infamous? I don't know what the right term is, but it's like nothing you've ever seen
2: before. Yeah.
4: Fucking hell! You, Jesus
2: Christ! We went on holiday like the next day. I think went to Greece. With a family, I just remember like meeting wrestling. There were people over there who were wrestling fans who came up to me, and they could do nothing but talk about this match. And it was it was all off the cell, through the cell, thumbtacks, like the big three things. Mm. it was just like this match was just absolutely unheard of. Yeah, it's a, it's his it's his iconic match. It's the thing that everyone remembering for
0: for for better or for worse. I I, I mentioned a couple of uh, podcasts ago about showing this uh, to the missus and so on. I put on the match and then left her there to watch it, (laughs) right? While I went downstairs to sort some food out. And when I came back up, all I could see was just her just like leaning forwards. The phone was by her side, just watching this. And this had just been the first, this is the first fall. Wide-eyed, and she just looks at me and goes, what the fuck has just happened? (laughs) And I just looked at her and just said, continue to watch. (laughs) And you know what the really strange thing? From, from, From watching her watch this, do you know what the thing that got the biggest like, oh my God reaction? It wasn't the first throw off the cage it wasn't the fall through the cage. It was when they the pulled that the hits her on the face. No, it was when the thumbtacks came out. Yeah, honestly, it was all the other things. She like went, "Oh my god, that's this guy But it was when they pulled the thumbtacks. She just went, "Now she was just like, are you fucking kidding me?'" <laughs> it's like really, <laughs> like it's like that was that was the yeah the straw that broke the camel's back. That was the line too far. It's like the guy's practically dead, and you are bringing out well, he's bringing him he's himself bringing out drawing pins. Exactly, it's, it's just fucking insane. It, it,
2: it's, it's worth mentioning too. This was the national wrestling debut of thumbtacks in a wrestling ring for, oh, in, in North insane. America so this was quite I mean this was just a bizarre thing to see it was like we've heard rumblings of these being used in the, you know, the King of the Death matches and stuff like that and then to actually see it after what he's already done that's like like I said when we were on hold it was the three things combined it wasn't just the two falls it was the thumbtacks and the shock and awe of seeing that I mean it's been bastardised since
4: although it was more of a spectacle than a match it was still it was the story they told I mean, like he goes off the top and you think, yeah, that is it? Because fucking hell, what is that? Yeah. No, he's like Jesus Christ. No, for, for, no
2: for, for all the times they've replayed Sean Forn off the side,
4: yeah. that was yeah. just yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he, he's propelled off the top, and it's <laughs> like how he, like he twists in mid air, no way, no way. Okay, that was the the working some angle, and it just make take look a badass and whatever. And uh, no, we're gonna go on, and then it's just fucking insanity. It's like how can you how can you still be going? and obviously that look when he's got his fucking tooth out of his yeah. nose it's like yeah. Jesus oh, Christ okay. he's saying about your missus with the thumbtacks that's just the one thing yeah. you, you don't know okay that guy just fell off that fucking thing and yeah. pl- fell through that table not sure how that feels yeah and I'm not sure how that f- falling yeah. through the because butt- people always talk, question you. the ring yeah, yeah. But people can relate to drawing drawing pins. Hang on a minute. There's a drawing pin sticking in him. (laughs) Actually, there's loads of
3: them. (laughs) It hurts enough when I prick my thumb on the bloody (laughs) thing. It has its place in wrestling folklore. It's barbaric in nature. And it's all Shawn Michaels' fault. (laughs) How? Because, it's Mick score. Foley, because because cool. because 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 Foley. He couldn't have a, as good a
2: match as Shawn Michaels without the, the yeah. but, well, and Actually, uh, he pretty much yeah, acknowledged that book. himself. It's not even <laughs> that. It outright, set, uh, yeah, I don't know how much you want to trust Vince Russo as a source of credible no. journalism. And he says after the, sh- that the match was finished, they're in the training room, and Foley, who's got drawing pins like sticking out of him, and can't remember what the fuck's going on, can barely remember what his name is at that moment, just looks at Russo and says, "Was it better than Shawn's?" <laughs> that was <No>. what. <laughs> Sorry, Mick. But that's what's going through his mind. In uh, in, in something of of not historical significance. Ken Shamrock wins the King of the Ring on, on this show, which would end up tying into really pretty much nothing. Although there's a couple of weeks on Raw where this does come into uh, come into play. Beats the Rock in the final, which
4: well, you know, Rock had won small. in the, in the qualifiers, he'd do a job.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and like this this pretty much with the blow off to the Shamrock Rock stuff from uh, from Rumble and Mania and Yeah, I guess he yeah. a Series of things. He never really no. got the definitive he win, so I yeah, didn't deserve
0: he it, he Rock should
2: have won. Things worked out all right for Rock <laughs> <That I laughs> yeah. shouldn't have been even in the tournament. No, probably not. No. Probably not. Even he should have been declared king of the ring before it began. <laughs> Honorary. Yeah. Triple H is fucking awful on commentary, by the way, in that match. Triple. H. Although this is also
3: I, I, the debut I, I look, of the D-Lo look, chest protector on this show yeah, which which which, which is absolutely wonderful. I think this has to be said about Triple H in the year 1998. Frankly, say it, Carl. Outside of outside of that match at Summerslam. What does he really contribute to anything? Fuck
2: all. And they know that, and that's why they try and shoehorn all this fucking historical significance of Triple H in. Because believe me, they never play back that I'm by a lot of things, but Lingle's not one of them line from this commentary that he gets in. Oh, actually, also, Pat Patterson smacks Sable's ass. That's hilarious. (laughs) On this show. And Jamar says that he got caught in unfamiliar territory.
3: (laughs) I bow to the master
2: <laughs> The next <laughs> night on Raw uh, Steve Austin challenges Kane for the WWF title He actually he says it with uh, Bearer and Vince in the ring And Vince defers to Bearer Because he doesn't have the balls to say no yeah, yeah. Bearer, who also doesn't have the balls, defers to Kane And Kane says yes Which Vince is just completely apoplectic about I'd like to say first of all Vince
4: introduces Kane as a great American Or something like that yeah!
3: <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. the, the, the belt and the display the and everything case, yeah. oh, it's
4: so wonderful and the place is just losing their shit obviously for Austin because <laughs> they do that every week anyway it's,
2: it's, it's in Cleveland and, and it's a rabid Cleveland crowd this time because they know it's, it's Austin Kane in the main event WWF Championship we'll get to the match itself later on it, it, we, we have to mention it because this was of course <laughs> the debut of the brawl for all <laughs> <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> we get two matches here Mark Merrow versus Steve Blackman and Bradshaw versus Mark Canterbury of sudden justice fame if you want to call it that what were your thoughts on the first impressions for this?
4: Well, <laughs> Turgid concept. An MMA fan, I maybe just completely created my own memory of this tournament. I just remember some knockouts. You watch it, and it's just terrible in every possible way. It's like it's three one-minute rounds, and the guys are gas after sixty seconds. So you look absolute pussies. You're pushing it as this is real so okay so in a real fight they can't even last a minute the not, rules not of them can throw a punch not of can throw a punch so we're in boxing gloves you get points for a takedown but you take them down you don't do anything you just stand up it's nice etiquette <laughs> it's like the most pointless stupid thing everyone looks rubbish everyone looks like they can't really fight no, Mark Mero's gimmick dead in the water. <laughs> After being powerbombed by Sable already, you need yeah. all the help you could get. You know, it's like okay, we'll take off your boxing pants as well now, Mark. The crowd hated, <laughs> booing yeah. the fuck
2: out of it. Boring chance, and and, and, and best of all, we want wrestling chance. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down. Also on this show, it's actually it's, it's very near the beginning, and I completely forgot this happened. Stephen Regal debuts. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And beach draws. Yeah. Sable yeah. on commentary. And just completely overwhelms Regal's debut here by talking about Vince McMahon and great audio uh, here from Sable. Anytime you ask the question, I can't answer that, King. <laughs> Fascinating. Yeah. Thank you for doing commentary. When I watch this show, when I watched this period back a couple of years ago, to refresh my memory this was the one thing that starts me like I have no idea that Regal was, came yeah. back for this one off yeah I, no, I, in a man's is man that yet. the same yeah I was
4: like what I can't Yeah, no recollection of him
2: Three mans man in, in yeah. his lord Stephen Regal up, I should say with with his old robe and stuff like that yeah, cool Stephen the, Regal not William yeah, yeah and it,
0: this was the match that uh, Kieran was referencing earlier when he said that um, uh, King can't get up this is the one. Yeah, okay. he, he, he mentions he has an erection early on in the, in, in the, uh, the, the month of May. This is the one where. She hasn't gone down but this yet. is the one where <laughs> it hasn't gone yet. This is the Took one where too many where, of those pills. This is the one where like she's sitting down. Jr. says so like, why, why did you like help us sit down? He goes, I am I getting up. Jr.
2: Ken Shamrock beats Owen Hart and Triple H in a King of Kings three way dance. Jim, Triple H so I'm gonna take that name. Yeah, he, one he, day he wrote that down. Yeah, he liked that one. Of course, in the main event, Steve Austin does win back the World Wrestling Federation Championship after 24 hours of uh, Kane's title reign. After the match, uh, Steve Austin stuns The Undertaker to close the show, and both brothers sit up and rise together. Well, I think early in the
4: show as well, Taker says, yeah, I did help my brother, So yeah. we kind of, and the crowd turns on him, because <laughs> the power of Austin, fuck you, Undertaker. You're against Austin. Even though yeah. you've know, been opposite Vince, and you've been booked strong not not, against not Stone Cold not against so like thing. straight away now this is like falling into place Taker and Kane obviously that like that weird dynamic are they together are they not starts mm. and then yeah at the end of the show slap bam clean one two three eat oh a stunner god that
2: crowd goes crazy eat a fucking
4: stunner Kane and the, you know this guy's been protected so well for the majority of the time this is like okay we've got no use for him now he's done <laughs> thanks, thanks Jacobs It clean stunner one two three crowd goes fucking crazy Taker gets on as well Stone Cold
2: is God he is the man but again the the reason I love this so much is that if they'd have left it there my god it's crazy but just the the, the double sit up and and, and the rise like no standing side by side as Austin's on the ramp staring back at him the story's not over there's still stuff to come it's great I love that Um, over on Nitro the same night a terrible show (laughs) says Dave Meltzer DDP and Karl Malone with steel chairs scare off the entire NWO Hollywood coming out of a trailer I believe uh, then Karl Malone, body slams and clotheslines Hulk Hogan body slams and then he kind of like flails an arm at him yes I wouldn't call it a clothesline no we're, we're, we're trying to be generous here um, Eddie Guerrero uh, who's, who's been on a lo- losing streak for the last little while anyway while this Chava Guerrero angle's going yeah. on loses to who they call Little Dragon who actually is yeah. Dragon Kid of, of Dragon Gate uh, but they fucked up the name in translation apparently so they just called him Little Dragon <laughs> <laughs> fuck me it's fucking company <laughs> Sting and Lex Luger versus Davey Boy Smith and Jim The Anvil Neidhart is a fucking oh,
0: stinker, dude. Fucking hell, man. How bad does um a uh, fucking Davey Boy look here? He <laughs> he looks bad. He's looking, you know, he's looking 19, 1999 associated with the Mean Street Posse kind of yeah. bad he looks as good as Anvil works <laughs>
2: the giant Kurt Hennig and Rick Rude call out Kevin Green who comes out with Goldberg and they all bail uh, the only other thing of real note on this show is uh, Eric Bischoff debuts NWO Late Night with Scott Steiner and it's yeah. fucking oh awful this goes this, on this is, yeah, for an funny. age and it's just an absolute disaster of a segment Liz is sat there for some reason
0: there's some good Raven stuff on here and Saturn as well continuing on from all of that and uh, also uh, the debut of Boogie Knights as well Oh, they team up, do they? Yeah, Boogie Knights team up.
3: Not with that name,
2: yet. No. But, uh, but I'm calling them that. <laughs> well,
3: I'm, I'm really glad they follow up with that in the year 2000. <laughs> <laughs> long term,
2: Carl. They've got, they got. They been getting
3: bashed for their long term plan.
2: Yeah, this is one plan. This is the one yeah. thing and, they've and, got And you know Doesn't what? Doesn't explain everything? been talking
0: about the problem, the fact they haven't been bringing a new talent. Vampiro debuts on the show. Oh, that, wow. Well. Yeah, well, he's new. not new talent, he's just new. That, that's, that's new. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, stuff.
2: The ratings were a total annihilation for the World Wrestling Federation in every sense of the word. The gap between the quality of Raw and Nitro may have never been greater and the ratings to exemplify that from top to bottom Raw did it's third highest rating in history and the highest ever for an opposed show with a 5.4 to Nitro's 4.0 the Steve Austin versus Kane match did a 5.94 quarter hour huge numbers there for Austin (laughs) and Kane Austin gets the belt back I'll it's up to the second highest head to head quarter hour for WWF other than Austin and Vince uh, uh, back in April I'm
3: going to I'm going to I'm not going to rush to judgment I'll wait till we get to the next time and see what the uh, the follow up numbers are from that but it, it suggests that all that sort of you know planting of the seeds if you like and, and, and all sort of the long term planning is is going to start to bear fruit but I I suppose we'll see watching a lot of this stuff back in preparation for the timeline, just how much easier I found watching Roar in comparison to Nitro so I I find it remarkable that during this time frame wcw have kept as competitive as as they have you know, five four to four oh <laughs> but, 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 but prior to but prior that, to they're, that they're, yes. they're losing by you know point two or point one things of things of that nature you know closer than it has any right to be in terms of quality of show yeah paul's a bit of scorn on F's narrative of you know we win that no, that night just after mania 14 or, or the the week after mania 14 and it's off to the race. We go, well, that, that's strictly speaking not true, and, and we've seen evidence of that here. The behind-the-scenes tension is
2: really building, apparently, at WCW. We don't have a lot of details, but it appears now that there are bigger problems involving Hogan and Nash as there have ever been. Nash was not at the Thunder taping this week, having been pulled from the show, although nobody really knew why. Nash was also not at Nitro this past week. We got two different versions of this. One is that Nash was again asked not to come, but the more reliable version is that Nash called in the day of the show and claimed he had a back injury and couldn't make Scott Hall was supposed to do an interview at Nitro, but instead simply walked out the building when Nash wasn't there. Uh, just to type the ratings for this period, in the UK, for the period of April through June, Raw is averaging 243,000 homes, while Nitro is averaging 242,000 homes. In the earlier weeks, it was Nitro ahead, but Raw has started passing Nitro by in the UK in the month of May.
3: But again, it's still... Yeah, it's encouraging signs for the WWF, but it's still just gobsmacked that it's still even... That close like, even that final number where they have obliterated w c w yes, they have, but w c w s number hasn't really dropped off it's it's still a four point oh yeah, yeah, it shows just how you know whilst w c w clearly has all those internal problems, and the creative on t v isn't isn't well let's just say it's it's crap the <laughs> <A> creative on <laughs> t v is crap the w w f show is is very compelling at at least at the top of the card. But it just speaks to just how strong the business as a whole is. You know, WWF are pulling away, but in many they're pulling in more fans. They're not necessarily immediately taking them from WCW. Fans
2: of Shawn Michaels are now saying that Michaels' health is better than being let on, and he'll be back sooner than all predictions. I told you. <laughs> four years, Shawn. You owe me four years. The advance for the Georgia Dome. Uh, this has obviously been the show on July 6th. Uh, as of June 29th was 25,769 tickets sold. The announcement of Hogan vs. Goldberg did not lead to a jump start of ticket sales at all as they'd already sold 20,000 tickets before the match was announced. Even with the ratings defeats, the plan right now is for that match to be a dark match with Goldberg going over clean. And uh, we'll leave the notes on that note because obviously it would not take long for that little statement to change. So with that said, we have covered everything from May and June from 1998 and I want to kind of... uh, Round the table very quickly. Closing thoughts on this two-month period and the kind of things that you picked up noticed. noticed. Uh, I find this a, a very fun two months to watch going back, especially the WWF. The shows are just so fucking fun. As much as this NWO Wolfpack thing, it almost seems like the thing to do after Starcade. But ever since they've started this, the show's been awful. Probably the right thing to do, but they've just
4: dragged the, the emphasis on the angle rather than being a long-term view to blow off the NWO it's no it's like the main still the main story it's like that's our cash case so let's just reinvent the wheel kind of thing and go again Wf's stuff is absolutely fantastic the long-term plans and the foreshadowing the seeds have been planted and the immediate stories that they're doing as well are great Steve Austin is just God even Kane has value <laughs> so <laughs> Foley's, uh, Foley's great as well um, take a he's a star in there he's he's it's functional for the long term view of Austin. You've got Rock on the Rise still. DX are getting over. The long term, week to week, long term of WWF is so fun to watch. Well, I wish they'd have fucking watched these back themselves and, and realize what they can do.
3: You know, as Kieran said, the, the, the long term planning appears to be bearing fruit, particularly with that last number. We'll see how it holds up. And we'll see just how much more of the internal politicking takes its toll on WCW. Because, you know, we've seen in the past, in the previous timelines, it's been building, and it looks like it's finally starting to have a you know a, a real impact on at the foref- at the forefront of t v
4: the whole company's got a fresh lease of life, not just the top of the car, so it's, yeah, it's just just a fun show to watch
0: as much as as Austin's obviously important to draw. I think Vince has been equally important as as in the Miss McMahon character has been a great foil. Vince on this, I think. However great uh, Austin has been as a babyface, McMahon has been superb as the heel uh, the counterpart. JR
3: said in many you're only as good as your antagonists. Yeah,
0: and, and and Vince and Vince just proves like when you're watching this period, this is when you kind of realise that he's, he's actually probably the greatest heel that they uh, that they've ever ever been. They still seem to not have too many plans in the undercard or anything like that. You know, they, they are they, like, like, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they to guys over yeah yeah this yeah, point, yeah. To find themselves. They, they they it. they haven't really got anything outside <laughs> of the two main. Feuds, which is for for the the World Title and the Intercontinental Title, everything else is they're just kind of just playing through and maneuver around what they can, you know. In WCW, there is absolutely no direction. You know, we, we, we I've lost count now just in these these two months we've talked about of how many turns there have been. This company is imploding now, and how you're blatantly seeing the egos of of Hogan. Uh, and Nash and Bischoff just playing out on on these shows, and it's just just this destructive nature. If you kind of watch between the two shows, if you kind of take like Austin, the Austin feud and the Rock stuff, and and you kind of mix that with some of the lower card stuff that is getting over with WCW, like Jericho or Raven and stuff like that, flicking back and forth. You got you got you got a great like two to three hours worth of television. So it's uh, yeah, it's been enjoyable watching this. I, I I said I made notes all the way through the timeline for this just so like try and remember everything, just because so much stuff happens. Yeah. In just two months is absolutely ridiculous.
2: I was going to say that's a good good note to actually kind of end on there because we actually had more notes to get through for this two month period than we had for like some like three or six month period. That we've done before, it was just fucking insane how much it was, and that's with me editing stuff out too. So like there, there was so much that was actually going on, it's just a fucking crazy time it's just fascinating to, to, to relive and be a part of anyway as WCW is, is as you said gee chaotic in terms of you can see things playing out yeah. on screen of, of people trying mess. to manoeuvre themselves into yeah. different positions mm. you can't say it's on the downward slide yet because like, like, like Kieran and Carl have mentioned the ratings haven't plummeted for WCW by any stretch when they're back in their slot they're doing those fours they've obviously come down from the heights they were in before but is, it's not a slow decline by any stretch here
4: what was it on the last show it's, it's still a, sh- a show full of over guys. Yeah, with. A lot of guys underneath who should be given yeah. the opportunity to get over star yeah. power and out the ass. Yeah, and whereas the WF, even at this time, they're in the process of getting more guys over. Yeah. led by the king of the industry at yeah. the time. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
2: The- so anyway, I think it's an interesting <laughs> note to end on because because uh, I think it's actually quite apparent too on Nitro is the cast system element is, is is completely in play when you watch these shows in, in a linear fashion the way we have done over, over the course of the last uh, couple of years doing these timelines. But the only guy that's breaking the cast system is Goldberg, and he's going to be a name that we talk about a lot on the next episode of The Timeline so it feels appropriate to uh, end the show with his music since he's the only guy in the NWC getting anywhere at the moment mm-hmm. so uh, with that said I want a, a quick program there will be no show next week which is why we're doing a, a longer one this time but we'll be back in two weeks time on Squared Circle Gazette Radio so we'll be looking forward to talking to you then so uh, thank you very much for listening this far for G. John Chase you're
1: a faggot Rhodes
2: <laughs> for Carl Jones I'm a speaker of five languages and for Kieran O'Rourke
4: Thank you, Connor.
2: I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I am Lima Rawkin, and we are out of here. Talk to you in a couple of weeks!